Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Greetings, everyone, and welcome, welcome to episode number 49 of Real Blend, a podcast that spent way too much time talking about Pitbull this week. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend and one of three illustrious co-hosts on this weekly tribute to all things cinematic. Joining me, as always, we have entertainment reporter Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, how are you, sir? All of these Pitbull references that I've been sent this week, <laughs> this is the exact reason I have silenced our text thread. No, because I will, yes, because I swear, not. because I will look down at my phone and it'll say 58 new messages. And I'll click on it and it's 58 different Pitbull pictures that have been sent. That is, you guys are why I drink. He's a photogenic man. <laughs> and he's always on a beach in always. front of water. Always. <laughs> in, always in front of some kind of water. <laughs> uh, and we wouldn't, of course, be complete on this podcast without Kevin McCarthy, the entertainment reporter for Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., and the c- vice president of the Pitbull fan club. <laughs> well, so to the give the some president clarif- being Pitbull himself. Yeah, yes. to give some clarification to Sean's point. So, Sean, Jake, and I have a disagreement on our thoughts on Aquaman, which we'll get to later in the show. Yes. But one of my, one of my problems with the film is, <laughs> is a certain Pitbull song that just happens to come on at one random moment. Um, and I have just been sending Jake and Sean, and it, <laughs> shockingly enough, there are hundreds <laughs> of Pitbull photos in front of ocean water. Yes. There's actually one of him swimming in the ocean. Um, so it all felt very appropriate to the Aquaman theme. So thank you, Pitbull. You're very welcome. Okay. So this is our final episode of 2018, and we are so close to episode number 50. I know we've been pushing to 50, but we have decided that instead of rushing it and recording an episode on Christmas Day, we're actually going to do number 50 in the new year. And we have a ton of cool things really planned for for the show in 2019, too, so stay tuned for that. Um, this week, we are going to play... 2018 blend where we're going to talk about your favorite films of 2018 uh we are all giving our personal top 10 and i know we're going to need a lot of time for that so that's going to be a really fun segment for the back half of the show uh we are going to get to some news items but we start each episode with some reviews and gabe totally messed up uh and didn't realize that we were not seeing reviews from around the world while we were reading these reviews we were only seeing u.s reviews and so he toggled some switch and uh, and unlocked a, a couple of reviews from international places. So I want to read those really fast. This is from uh, L. L. Wilkes, 2004, who's from the UK, who says, I absolutely love this podcast for several reasons. It's insanely clear that Jake Hamilton, Kevin McCarthy, and Sean O'Connell all love movies with a passion. And bringing three guys who genuinely have a love for movies together is an immediate combination for a great podcast. They also show you that in order to be a movie critic or a film reviewer, you don't need a degree of any sort. You just need passion. (laughs) You don't (laughs) need need to be smart. No, she meant a point. No, I know what she means. (laughs) I didn't get that far, but you're right. It's so true. You don't have to be smart to do this, folks. 
Uh, this comment favorite... sponsored by Second Act. One of my favorite parts of the week is walking home from school and listening to these guys talk about the latest news within Hollywood and obviously the blend games. The blend games are so enjoyable to take part in and listen to. I've definitely found some of my new favorite movies through the blend games and have the real blend guys to thank. This podcast deserves so much more recognition because it really is just amazing. So why did it, why did Gabe hide that comment from us? Why doesn't he want us to yeah. feel good about ourselves? Because did, he didn't get mentioned in it. She named oh, drops all why. three of us and nothing for Producer Gabe. We'd probably be the number one podcast on iTunes if it weren't for Producer Gabe. It's true. Yeah. He's like an anchor. Well, you know, Gabe's <laughs> just been too busy going to Pitbull concerts. That's true. <laughs> That's what's happening. And next week we're going to do hashtag Pitbull blend. It's going to be amazing. All of his <laughs> concerts, for some reason, are on a beach <laughs> with the ocean behind him. Uh, Oliver Joseph from Australia writes if you're looking for a podcast that talks movies then you have come to the right place as a previous fan of jake hamilton and kevin mccarthy i thoroughly enjoyed their interviews on youtube after discovering their podcast with sean o'connell as they discussed the lead up to the oscars i was hooked perfect for listening every week as i drive back and forth from university giving me some great ideas as i currently complete a thesis regarding disney's current impact within the film industry go check it out and Ooh. Dunkirk with an exclamation point. Yeah, and then oh. Gabe put that he wants to see this thesis from Oliver. So Oliver, well, I think I'll, I'm assuming based on that uh, Oliver's comment. I mean, it's it, we are getting into a position next year with, with obviously Disney buying Fox. I mean, think about the properties Disney owns. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would read that. I mean, it's so fascinating. I mean, you're talking Star Wars, MCU, Pixar. Uh, you know, remaking Lion King, Aladdin. I mean, we're talking about. Is any studio going to have a year like Disney next year? I mean, no. it's going to be insane. No. And in fact, like we're, we will do an anticipated of 2019 in the next episode. And, and but, five of them will probably be Disney. Yeah. I've had to do that for a couple of different places. And I felt bad because everything that I kind of <laughs> singled out was a Disney property. I wanted yeah. to look outside of that realm and just find another studio that was doing. I mean, Warner Brothers has a couple of really exciting projects coming. The Godzilla oh. movie looks great and Shazam looks like a lot of fun, but my number one most anticipated movie of next year, which I won't get into now because we're going to do a segment on it later on, is not is not a Disney movie. But, I mean, Disney movies, if you looked at my top Oh, I five, bet I know what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. Jake knows what it is. Um, because he because you know me. But uh, but four of the five? Oh, are I know Disney it movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Sean's just saying that. He doesn't know you. He has no idea. No. It's Forrest Gump 2. Do you want, yeah, I can I'll say it. I'll it's an adult. Yeah, Zemeckis Zemeck Zemeck confirmed it this week. It's an adult film. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Chris Quattro from Ireland. Uh, put, came across this podcast in recent weeks and I'm hooked. Great insight into current and old movies and enjoyable banter. Good idea doing the fan meet in London. Come over to Dublin for the next oh, one. Oh, we will. I love I love Ireland. Gabe booked that. Um, would love to hear Twist Blend one of the weeks. Lesser known movies with great unexpected twists. Ooh. Keep the episodes Great idea. Coming. We Wait, should, we should we do... do that for um, when Glass comes out. Isn't like it similar to end? Ending blend? No, but I, I, think, guess... I think ending is... I mean, because there could be a twist. You know, there's a... Well, I don't want to say... There's a movie that came out this year. It's one of the better movies that came out this year that has a twist two-thirds of the way through. Mm -hmm. um, Which one? Uh, well, don't, without without spoiling it, just want to give me a hint? Or you want... Just text I, I did The Junkin' in Chicago and you did not. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Okay. That's, okay. A good, okay. that's a good, okay. good twist. I know what it is now. And yeah. like, you're like, I, that's I, not I, the ending, but it was like two-thirds of the way through. But see, I, don't, I didn't even want to say what it was because I don't even like to know when no. a movie has a twist because then you're looking mm. for it. Like, to me, that is, that is in and of itself a spoiler. Right. I agree. Yeah. Hey, so great recommendation, Chris. But why don't you let us produce the show, huh? How about it? 
Gabe, Jesus, step up, man. <laughs> so those are uh, international reviews, which we love. Thanks, having. Chris. Yeah. So yeah, of course, keep sending much. them over, thank and you. we will we will keep reading them. So we really appreciate it. Let's transition to news, and I want to start by just saying, uh, rest in peace, Penny Marshall. Oh, yeah, sad. Big Really bad. Yeah, it's a sad loss. And Jake, I wanted, I, I didn't, I'll put you on the spot, but I want you to comment on it because she collaborated in two of her biggest movies with your favorite actor of all time, with Tom Hanks. And, yeah. And just, uh, you know, her her decision in League of Her Own not to emphasize a romance between Tom Hanks and Gina Davis, um, just how she tapped into probably a side when Big came around. Uh, we hadn't really seen that side of Tom Hanks before. Uh, and I think Big, arguably, and I had to go back over his filmography, that's the one that kind of put him on the map as a, as a movie actor, right? That was his first Oscar nomination. Okay. And uh, a fact, and so she was the first uh, female director to have a movie gross more than $100 million, which was okay. big. And then also something that, that shocked me whenever I read it today, I did not know this, A League of Their Own is still not adjusting for inflation, not, not, not needing to adjust for inflation, the highest grossing baseball movie of all time. Wow, that's awesome! Uh, which is well deserved. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and Sean, you had a uh, a great tweet yesterday where you used the the GIF uh, of Tom Hanks saying "There's no crying," and you yeah. uh, captioned the tweet "Today we are." Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, she and, and and Tom Hanks sent out a really nice uh, tweet that was a tribute to her. I mean, she had a great voice. Um, I was reading online today. Obviously, you know, you you tend to to read about people. Unfortunately, after it's too late, um, but that she was as 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 maybe feminist as you might say that a league of their own was about female empowerment. She veered away from that label. Um, and which I thought was, was uh, sort of interesting, but, um, but yeah, a league of their own still is fantastic. I mean, big, I, when, when, on, when the day comes, hopefully many years from now, uh, when uh, we lose Tom Hanks, I can't imagine there being an obituary that doesn't feed, that doesn't mention big and a league of their own. God, don't even say that. I, I, don't, I don't like to think it. <laughs> uh, do we have any idea why she stopped directing? I was really surprised when I went to look at her filmography that she really only had those three big movies that she directed. She did Awakenings, uh, Big, and A League of Their Own, kind of and in that the, stretch. The Whoopi Goldberg yeah. movie too. Jump was it Jumping Jack Flash? Oh, let's see. Hold on. Was she that, did uh, Renaissance that was, uh, Man. That was her first movie. Did she do? Um, did she do Riding in Cars with Boys? The, that was the last yeah. film she did, 2001, yeah. and then she did a, some TV after that. But yeah. really. Didn't and she direct. has that great scene in Hocus Pocus. Yes, very true. Well, with her I mean, brother, well, with Gary. <clears throat> most people know her as Le- from Laverne and Shirley, of course, when she was acting. But I don't know. Two thousand and one was her last feature, and it makes me just wonder why she didn't get more opportunities. Especially as people always say, like, let's give more opportunities to female directors. We want to hear their voice. And Penny obviously had an amazing voice. So, yeah. Did you ever well, interview her? Of... No, I never did. No, I interviewed Gary Marshall once, but not. But not Penny. But I, I, one thing I loved about um, about all the coverage that was happening with with uh, people, you know, celebrating her filmmaking and filmography, was a tweet from Ava DuVernay about um, her about Penny being a trailblazer and this idea that you know think about when when Penny made Big and and and, and at that time how many how many female directors were working in Hollywood and making films. Uh, you know that big, and you know, no pun intended. But the movie, as Jake said, was the first movie to ever gross a hundred million dollars worldwide, a hundred million dollars at the box office. So you know that was that's awesome that she was kind of at that forefront. Not not that there weren't other f- female filmmakers, but right. th- that other female filmmakers today are looking back at her and going, "You kind of blazed that pathway." for us to be where we are. So, you know, if Penny Marshall hadn't done what she had done with 
films like Big or League of Their Own, as you mentioned, the relationship element, because um, that stuff's very important. Um, I don't know that we would have some of the great film female filmmakers that we have today, and hopefully, um, you know, the, you know, when someone like this passes, I always feel like you know people try to talk about how sad they are. I mean, to me, it's like a we. I, I like that we get to celebrate her mm. and celebrate her filmmaking, and you know, her work will live on forever. And maybe this, maybe this passing will jumpstart more, more towards that path of more female filmmakers. Yeah. Um. And and just seeing the path that, she, like you said, Sean, she hasn't had a movie feature film since two thousand one. I believe. Yeah, two thousand one. Um, so I wonder where we would be, how how much further along would we, would we be now had she continued making feature films? Right. Um, so you know, I I just kind of look at this as this is this is a great thing for hopefully expanding on more female filmmakers. I mean, it's very sad that she passed. Obviously, she was she, she actually was kind of young. Seventy five is very not, not that old. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, and I believe it was to diabetes. I believe is what I was yeah. reading um, okay. online, but. Yeah, but you know, but thank you, you know, anybody listening to us right now, uh, you know, you know, you know, she's just an amazing filmmaker who really was ahead of her time, and hopefully, this will help more female filmmakers want to come out and do more movies and, and get more, I, you know, get more deals to make bigger films. In my I, opinion, I pointed out, I said that big put Tom Hanks on the map. I'm, I'm overlooking. He was in Splash before that. <laughs> He was in the money pit before that. Yeah, he, but big, big was like big was like, big. Like, like, yeah. that piano sequence in right. FAO Schwartz is like. I mean, that's like that's probably his. I mean, listen, money pit is actually oddly enough one of my favorite Tom Hanks money movies Pit's of all great. time. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, but and Splash is obviously very big, but I think. Big's really that. Like, I think you big were right is on. the movie that, that solidified the fact that he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I would say. Um, was was her, was the hundred million dollars domestic or worldwide? Do you know that information, or is that just? I'd, I'd uh, imagine domestic. Was it domestic? Okay, all right. I was just curious. I, I mean, that's amazing. I, until she passed, I had no idea that she was the first woman to make a film that had a hundred million dollars in the box office. That's awesome. That's I did, awesome. and that what year was big? Eighty eight. That's it. That's it. I mean, think about that. Yeah, I mean, back then, how cheap tickets were. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Huge deal. Yeah. Also, it wasn't. It wasn't that many years later that that was. Well, a League of Their Own was super 92. early nineties. League of Their Own was ninety two, yeah. and people forget yeah. that League of Their Own with Tom Hanks. He was coming off of Turner and Hooch, Joe versus yeah. the Volcano, and the Bonfire of the Vanities. So and he was for a little while. Yeah. People were saying not that he was like oh, unemployable, wow. but they were like he's not a leading man yeah. necessarily. Wow. And then he and he didn't. He didn't. You know, he was a supporting part. In that movie, obviously, it was Gina Davis that was the lead, but um, but then he was so great in it, and then he he then he did Sleepers in Seattle right after, it, and that was it. So and then and then you got to think though, if he didn't do League of Their Own, would he have would he have done Forrest Gump? Would he have done Philadelphia? Would he have done? Oh, God, I, so that's I, the movie I blame. Then I blame League of well, Their Own. No, I mean, but generally, like genuinely, like speaking, the three movies you just mentioned that happened between uh, Big and, and A League of Their Own, those were not. No, they can tank a career. Great yeah. films, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, and wow, that's yeah. interesting. Isn't it? I know, that you wonder now what would have happened to Tom Hanks if he did not continue on that path. Wow, yeah. that's weird. It's great. Um, we, today we got our first look at uh, transitioning um, the genie from uh, Aladdin. <laughs> first look Oof. at uh, Guy Ritchie's. Live action Aladdin. And so listen, we, and even at the start of this podcast, we are uh, very heavily praising 
uh, Disney in 2019 and the big projects that they have coming up. They're doing three live action versions of animated classics. I think at some point on this podcast, we talked about the fact that if we were to potentially rank them to me, Lion King would be the most anticipated. Um, Two for me is Dumbo because I really want to see what Tim Burton is doing. I think he's the right hire for that story and the cast he has with Michael Keaton, Colin Farrell, Danny DeVito. Looks fantastic. Uh, third for me would be Aladdin, um, and not through. I, I don't. I don't love Aladdin, the animated film, and and to me, one of the big selling points of the animated film was Robin Williams as a genie. So if you can't replicate that, what are we doing? Um, but I'm intrigued that they're going to have a live action one, and they're going to have Will Smith playing him. Uh, someone said this in a conversation, like an online conversation, when we saw this today. They were like, what, "What's Will Smith's last?" funny movie like when's the last time he was funny on screen and i don't think of will smith as a comedian i don't he's very charismatic he's got a ton of personality he's but i can't, funny, I can't I mean, say I, i've I'd ever like, gone to one of his movies even like with hitch kevin james to me stole that movie to me when i think of the big laughs that come out of hitch i think of kevin james um, or even bad boys martin lawrence is the funny one and will smith is the cool one right yeah but the, but the, but the, but, the, but see to me the comedy of bad boys is how reserved Will is. Yeah. Like, and, and like that, that it, it, it's that like, you know, a movie of Will Smith that I probably the last film of his that I really liked a lot was probably focus. I thought focus was solid. I, with I Margot Robbie. But comedy, do you view him as being really funny? I, I consider yeah. him a funny. I mean, I, I, I mean dude, I, he's starting to start a sitcom. I think funny yeah. when I think Will Smith. I mean, okay. but, but look at even look at something like one of my favorite movies he ever made was the. Um, oh my god, I'm blanking. Was it Enemy, Enemy of the State with uh, yeah. Gene Hackman, yeah. Tony yeah. Scott? Mm-hmm. I mean, as serious as that movie was, like when he when he drops a line in a serious moment, it just completely like takes well, it, it, it. Independence Day, right? Yeah. Independence Day, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Men yeah, in men Black. Black. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's funny because Men in Black. I think Tommy Lee Jones was the dry one, right? And yeah. he was kind of the funny one. So. It was so first look at first look yeah. at the genie. What are your thoughts on the uh, now? The, and then he comes out after they post this and he says, "Don't worry, I'm going to be blue." So right. I don't Wait, understand what? why. He, yeah, he yeah, said he, on his yeah. Instagram, He's, "It's CGI. That, that that's that's a version of." Then him why that would they put seeing. him on the cover like that? I don't know. It's Will Smith, like like who? But still, who at Disney went? Let's totally misrepresent our movie. Well, I still I think he's going to be in the film physically as as we see him partially. I, I, and uh, Sean probably knows this better than I do. There, there's an Instagram post where somebody said to him, "Aren't you going to be blue?" And he goes, "Yes, I'm going to be switching back and forth between CG and." Oh, okay, I didn't see that. Did, I, did I, oh, wait, did I read that wrong? Maybe I saw wrong. him post on Instagram, and he was like, "I'm excited about the opportunity to do this." You know, first look at Aladdin, and then at the end, he said, "By the way, yes, I will be blue." Oh no, he, he there's an Instagram comment that I, unless it's somebody who doctored it, okay, that where he commented that I'm going to be going back and forth, and I'll let you guys continue talking and I'll that's find interesting. it. Interesting, no, and but, that's yeah. fine. I'm okay with that because the genie transforms into a lot of different personalities over the course of the the animated one. I, I got it, I got it. Um, I'm going to be blue. This is how the genie is in human disguise form. My character will be CGI most of the movie. Oh, all right, okay. well, that's fine. I feel still feel like I'd rather have seen the blue version on the cover. But oh, I, I agree with that. I'll say this: um, Aladdin's my favorite Disney movie of all time. What? Um, what? Is it? Yeah. What? Yes. What? I mean, growing. But and and, and I'll, I'll I'll share a personal reason. I always had a crush on Jasmine. Jasmine was like my old, was I had the biggest crush wow. on her when I was a kid. Interesting. Um, Aladdin hit me at the right time in my life. Now again, we're not including Pixar in this. I'm talking about just straight up yeah, Disney animated still. movies. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, I like it better than Cinderella, Snow White, Lion King, 
uh, all those films. Um, Beauty and the Beast. Now, yeah, I love Aladdin. I, I love I love it more than anything. But also primarily because of Robin Williams. And I think to this day, Robin Williams deserves an, an Oscar for that film. Uh, an actual legitimate acting Oscar. Um, because he was brilliant. Um, that being said, yeah, I'm a little worried about this one. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the EW reveal photo is strange. It feels weird. Like, in a sense of, it, it, it's just weird. It's weird seeing Aladdin in live action already. It's still strange for me to, to comprehend. But it is also weird not seeing the genie in as blue or as... Uh, animated um on top of that i love guy Ritchie, but i mean listen man from uncle was great but has he has he had a great movie in a while it's been a while I yeah mean, i mean I like doesn't that entertainment movies. weekly cover look like an aladdin ripoff that you would find in a walmart bargain bin where you're like oh yeah. someone got the right to, to aladdin <laughs> but it's only spelled with one d because they had to sort of right. skirt around and honestly i gotta tell you i saw uh, Aladdin on stage here at Chicago, the musical, and I wasn't a fan of it. It may, I think that's one of those stories that kind of needs to stick in the animated world because seeing it brought to life with humans and even seeing it, the genie as a man walking around, it just really took took the magic out well, of it. Well, and I'll say that like they showed footage of this at CinemaCon last year, so this is March of last year, so really unfinished footage. And it just had like a cheapy Bollywood uh, look to it. You know, the song and dance, uh, 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 all choreographed with big groups. Um, the action that you would kind of expect from Guy Ritchie with people jumping from rooftop to rooftop sort of deal. But it, it didn't translate well. You're right. And but but, uh, you know, listen, we talk about 2019 with Disney and the big projects they have. They can afford to take a flyer on a few things. That's well, true. Aladdin's not going to bomb, obviously. I mean, no. Will Smith. I mean, it'll probably be Will Smith's most successful film in a long time. And dude, um, was it his that, most successful movie of all time, financially speaking? Suicide Squad. Probably that movie made eight hundred uh, million dollars. Look really? at look at Aqu- dude, Aquaman's made three hundred million yeah. already. It's wow. not even out in the states yet. That's just um, all the Pitbull fans coming. Yeah, it's all the Pitbull fans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, one thing I will say about Aladdin, I just, also like to throw in Pitbull if you're listening. We're sorry. <laughs> we my, biggest concern, my biggest He's concern, my biggest concern now that our audience is growing on this podcast is that Pitbull <laughs> might actually be a legitimate listener. And we're sitting here knocking that guy. I think, I think, no, 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 no. We're not knocking him. I think Pitbull actually has some good songs. I just don't like the song that he did for Aquaman. That's all. That's why I just give Sean, I'm um, joking with him about that. But one thing I'll say about Aladdin real fast. To Jake's point about just now about, about, uh, about Aladdin staying in the animated world. You know, what's fascinating about that is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm. They were able to do things in that movie that never could have been done ever in live action. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I thought Spider-Man worked so well was because we got to see Spider-Man do whatever Spider-Man or the characters could do because the animation was limitless. Um, and with live action, you're you're limited to either physical actors and or trying to make a CG character look real. Um, and so kind of the opposite here is with Aladdin, Jake saying that maybe it should stay in animation. I don't know. I mean, I, like, how are they going to do the flying stuff? Like, it, it, like, is that going to do that? Yeah, that's yeah, easy. But, but is it going to look good? Like, like, for example, one of my favorite flying bits in movies is the bit in Big Lebowski when Jeff Bridges is like flying around the city as he's, I, I, I think he's like on drugs at that point. Yeah, yeah. And it looks really bad on purpose. I yeah. think, I, I think is what it's meant to look like that, but I don't know. I, I, I'm just a little worried about what it's going to look like with them flying on the carpet 
with CG? Is it going to look blue screen? I, I, I don't know. How's like? Did you see any of that when you saw your footage? No, none of it was flying. It was all just dance stuff and stuff in the in the town. So well, I'm, let's wait for that first trailer to drop. I assume we it already, will come soonish. Yeah, that didn't show anything though, right? It was just the lamp essentially. What? Watch the movie be amazing. Yeah, I'd be surprised. It would not, not be the first time that we've all sort of, uh, you know, complained about a movie and then had it turn out to be awesome. Hey, when Heath Ledger was cast in The Joker for The Dark Knight, remember the threads on that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. people thought it would be awesome. And he was incredible, and he was unbelievable. Um, I want to give Jake an opportunity to talk Spider-Verse just really fast because by, when we discussed it last week, you hadn't so yet good. seen it. And I was so excited to get Jake's reaction. More excited than I am to actually see certain films. Jake texts us, he's like, I'm going in to Spider-Verse. Yeah, and, I, I and missed we all of the press screenings uh, here in Chicago just because of a conflicting schedule. Um, so I actually paid my good, hard money to go see this movie. How and dare you? I know, right? Um, it was it was just truly unbelievable. I mean, from the opening frame, there are so many elements of this movie that really made me think, maybe Spider-Man just needs to exist in an animated world. Because, yeah. I mean, to Kevin's point, there were just the way that I felt like they brought in the comic book element of it and made it stay true. It was it was almost like seeing a comic book, like opening the pages and then having it come to life in front of my eyes. The mixture of, of the, I mean, the soundtrack, best usage of mu- music of, of just about any movie this year. Um, the voice talents were absolutely incredible. I mean, you could tell mm. Nicolas Cage was having the time of his life. Oh, with yeah. This. Um, I thought, you know, it was one of those things that, like... I don't want to say like it felt long, but it felt it felt like a full length movie. But it felt like I mean it's because like the characters were fleshed out, and I felt like I got to know all these characters. I got to to truly know these. I found myself cheering for Miles whenever I mean that that shot of him when he's falling, but they revert they they turn the frame upside down and he's falling toward. I think it's the poster as well. I mean mixed with uh, Hello Danger as he's swinging through New York City. Just really, it, it was one of the few movie experiences I had this year. Where if the manager had come into the theater and said, hey, we're willing to start this over and play it one more time, I would have sat there and watched it again. Do you know what's incredible yeah. about that Leap of Faith sequence, the upside down city shot, is that that's one of the earliest sequences they started showing from that movie. I must have seen that sequence 50 times. Really? Right? And it's on uh, YouTube right now. If you really want to see it, they uploaded that whole, which you would think that that would be something they would want to keep to themselves and have it be but a But here's the thing. Out of context, it doesn't mean much of anything. Right. But it's it, just a really when cool it arrives in the film, it means everything yeah, for that exactly. character. And it's it hit me so hard. Yeah. If you guys have a chance, um, Daniel Pemberton, who did the, I believe he did the score for the film or was involved in the score somehow. If you go to his Twitter, I think he's also the same person who scored Steve Jobs. Um, and the reason I bring him up is because he posted a cool video on his Twitter of how he scored Spider-Man mm. and you like see him playing it. And then you have him on a, on a, on a old school. It was like a DJ board playing with the sounds of it. It's really cool. Like, cause when he did Steve jobs to keep up with what Danny Boyle did, he like, I think he recorded like the first part of the time period, like on a cassette tape or was that what he did it? He's a very creative, um, creative uh, composer, but Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse is just brilliant. I mean, the animation, like Taking away the story and the characters, um, one of the things that Jake Johnson said in one of my, in the interview I did with him that blew my mind was that his twin daughters, I guess his twin daughters, um, when they when he first got cast in the movie, they weren't excited for him to play Spider Man, uh, and then when they found out kind of what Phil Lord and Chris Miller and all the filmmakers were doing. His kids can now play Spider Gwen when they when they dress up and and they you know and everybody can find themselves somewhere in a character and as cliche as it sounds the whole point is anybody can wear the mask right. 
and that animation, like the fact that they were able to combine 2D, 3D, and then that paintings, they were drawing on the frames. I mean, you have lines going through. I mean, literally a comic book coming to life. Uh, it is just astounding. It's well, speaking as a guy who liked Solo, doesn't it really make you wish they just let those guys finish oh, what they yeah. started? So I mean, you, you 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 have to imagine so that the people at Lucasfilm are looking oh. at Spider Verse, going, "Maybe we made a mistake." Yeah. Well, I, I said this is the beginning, man. You don't hire Phil Lord and Chris Miller to do a Star Wars movie and then get mad that they want to do their own thing with them. I mean, these guys have a very specific style. I mean, I get um, I, I get both sides because if Kathleen Kennedy is trying to keep a through line in the Star Wars universe. Like, this is what our Star Wars universe looks like. Did Why hire know? them? That's like hiring Tarantino and, and then expecting him to stay with well, the Okay, so and... let's let's flip it for a moment that we've never discussed before. How bad must they have been on the set to get fired? <laughs> they must have been really difficult to work with. I, I bet you they weren't difficult. And I, and I know Phil and I Chris thought, I thought it was, through um, interviews. The, the, the writer. Lawrence. Yeah, Kasdan. Kasdan. It was Kasdan who, yeah, got, Kasdan. who got ticked off. Right. I think Phil and Chris were probably professional. I guarantee you there. I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. But I have I, a hard Everything I know time. about them, yes, makes me believe that they're stand-up dudes who, you know, want yeah. to just collaborate on the best possible movie. But something had to happen. Like, they knew I, the publicity it, it was, hit they were going to take when yeah. they fired those guys, and they still yeah, calculated yeah. that and thought it's worth it. I, 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 I was, it was my understanding that Kasdan was really ticked off that they were venturing away from his script. Mm. And maybe, I think maybe. Kasdan has a certain... Like, hey, I'm Star Wars royalty. Not to knock Kazan because he is Star Wars royalty. He but is. He probably yeah, thought sure. my words should be gospel. And yeah. who are these two kids coming in changing my script? He, they probably laughed at the name scene. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> I, I, oh my god, I was sitting, I, I was sitting across from Phil. And well, you Chris. guys are about to be really pissed because the name scene is my number one. <laughs> I was sitting across from Phil and Chris for Spider Man Spider Verse interviews. And all I wanted to do, and I didn't do it because I didn't think it was appropriate. I, all I wanted to do was ask them, one, if they saw it, and two, I was like, did you guys leave because of that name scene? Come on. That was pretty, <laughs> I mean, come on. That scene was bad. But no, but joking aside, um, I really think that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, hopefully they'll do more of the Spider-Verse uh, movies. I, I think there's, a, there's so many ways they can go with it. Um, I have a question for you guys. Is Miles Morales... Is his reality our reality or just a different reality? Is, I like, think no. I, I think it's a different reality because... Whose reality is ours? I think... Uh, what is ours? Peter... I think, ours. I think Peter Parker. Because there are a couple of things about Miles' uh, reality that's off. Instead of NYPD, it's PDNY. He has really? A, yeah. He has a Chance the Rapper poster in his room, but Chance the okay. Rapper wears a hat that has the number three on it. In Miles' room, it's a hat that has the number four. There is that because a, they couldn't get clearance? Well, no, because it's an iconic image of, of Chancer. I, I think they purposefully tweaked a couple of things. I do not think Miles Morales is in our... Is in our so uh, who is? So you think Peter Parker, Jake Johnson's character, is, is the from one our reality? Yes, I think he's the one that we know. Especially because they include all of the things that we know from the Tobey Maguire ones, which is the Upside Down Kiss, and right. the car attacking them with Dr. Octopus. And It also, Peter right. Parker is blonde in his universe. Has there ever been yeah. a blonde Peter Parker before? No. Wait, wait, wait. Without spoiling anything, we all know who voices the other Peter Parker in the film. Yeah, yes. Um, it, that's... No, we're, we're, talking, we're, not talk, we're not talking about whose reality we're referring to. Jake Johnson's or that Jake one's. Johnson's. I think okay, Jake okay. Johnson's is ours. Correct. Okay. I agree with that. Whatever I was a little is. confused at first when that film first started. I heard that voice. I'm like, wait, I thought this was supposed to be Jake Johnson. It sounds yeah. like so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's really good. If you haven't seen it, I just... I hope we get a lot Shamik more of these. Um, I just want to see more of them. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, wrap it up, Gabe. Thank you. Uh, we're bringing back... Oh, I wasn't even... I didn't even... Wait, did he even give, did he do a name pun? I missed it. Bringing back very, a very popular segment on the show. Uh, it caught fire last week. It's called We're Right and You're Wrong, where two of us get to gang up on the one person uh, who takes the minority opinion. As we give you a spoiler-free review of Rob Marshall's Mary Poppins Returns, oh. which is in theaters this week. And uh, the We're Right... Uh, is going to default to Kevin and Jake, who hate this movie. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 wait. See, see, now, Jake, I understand how you feel now when people say that. Yeah. Um, we don't hate this movie at all. We actually thought it was just fine. It's, it's <laughs> meh. It's meh. Re-poppins. Re-poppins. Yeah. <laughs> Jake and I have been saying that. No, but, I mean, I'll let Jake get to it, too. I... I think Emily Blunt is outstanding in this movie. Yeah. I think it's up. If she gets an Oscar nomination, I will not be upset. Me too. Fantastic. Every scene she's in, every line she delivers is incredible. And that's not my complaint about the movie. My complaint about the film, well, I have a lot of them. It feels way too long. I mean, that thing drags. Uh, Two, I can't tell you a single song from that movie. I can't. I could not tell you one right now. I could not. I mean, when I left Starsborn, when I left um, Greatest Showman, which I didn't love, but the songs were amazing, I knew the songs. Um, this movie is, I just found it to be like, there was no, and I, I get it, we're in a fantasy world, I just felt like every every um, feeling was either the worst thing on the planet or the greatest thing on the planet. There was no gray area of reality and i understand we're dealing with somebody who's coming from the sky and i and i get that but i just i just there was it did it never felt grounded to me and i think that regardless of a fantasy i didn't feel that i i, I understood the grounded nature of these characters also the plot line everything that's going on with the the family you forget that that's happening while they're all singing and dancing well, which takes you completely away so I didn't hate Mary Poppins. I, I I think that Emily Blunt elevates a not so good script. Um, my rating on the film is kind of midway through. I didn't. I gave it a three out of five. I didn't. I didn't hate this film. I just thought it was just okay. And I I don't know where Jake is. But let, me I, count, I think let me counter, and then Jake, you can tell me why I'm wrong. Um, because I would argue that this that Mary Poppins Returns, and I'm not going to get into any kind of spoilers, but it has more of a story than the original does. The original has no story whatsoever. It's quite literally just two distracted parents who aren't paying any attention to their children, and then this nanny shows up and takes them on musical adventures. But the songs are way better. But but see, in in that, what you just described is, it's almost like a fantasy that takes them away from the reality. But like, but it's still like a lingering effect. Like, to me, they jump back and forth between the fantasy and the reality of this movie enough where you should still kind of understand where the arc is going. But there's something that they're building towards in this new movie. There's something they have to complete in this new movie that I thought the first movie lacked. It lent some, it lent dramatic tension to me. It was a, it's a, it's a rigged, you know, ticking clock thing that they have to do by this time, right? They have to complete it by this time. To me, I thought that lent some urgency to it. Um, I, I would totally argue against you with the songs because there's a couple of songs in that movie that are, that were so moving to me the, there's a song that Emily Blunt sings called Where the Lost Things Go because there's a death in this movie that's significant um, that we won't really get into, but she's singing to the children about loss. And I got so broken up by that song, I, the way she sang it, what it meant. And it's all about, there's a, a dark side, a shadow on the moon where the things that you've lost, that's where they go to hide. 
and they're there. Did you just refer to a Michael Bay movie called Dark of the Moon? I did. There's a, nice. there's a Decepticon on the moon, <laughs> and it eats all the things that you've lost. Um, and I I sobbed so loudly at that song. It, it got so – it swept me up so much in the emotion that my son, my youngest, we're watching it at home. He actually got up and put his arm around me, and he was like, are you okay? Like, he was, like, actually moved, and he wasn't being sarcastic and making me feel like an idiot. He was little, legitimately concerned that I was really... But I started... I got emotional when Michael sang his early song. I think Triple Little Light Fantastic is a is a good replacement for um, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I think these songs are... Yes, this is a essentially beat-by-beat, beat, you know, walk yeah. through the, the formula of the new one. But I don't think you guys are giving Emily Blunt enough credit for I just tackling. Said she was amazing. But she tackled. Yeah. She tackled. It'd be like it'd be like if someone decided years later to do a sequel to Pulp Fiction, and some young actor played Jules yeah. again, yeah. and you'd be like, "You're crazy for even trying that. Yeah. Don't do it. It cannot go well for you." And then and then Emily Blunt does Mary Poppins and does it. She pulls it off, and I'm but the, it blows my but mind. the overall film does not completely rely on Emily. I mean, Emily is not in every scene. She actually goes away for some scenes. So that, and to me, she's amazing. And when she shows up, the movie gets it completely better. Um, I will say one thing, and then I want Jake to chime in. Yeah. Um, first of all, two things. One, you, Sean, mm. are a parent. Um, so, and I and I say this every time, but I I, I feel like it's important to say here. We all came at this movie from different aspects of life. Sure. You have kids. I don't have kids. Jake doesn't have kids. We have our dogs. But, you know. As Daenerys licks Jake's face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> passionately right now. But it, in reality, you saw the film at a time where it hit you certainly in, a, in an emotional spot. Oh, sure. And, of and it worked for you. Yeah. And, that, and that's totally fine. Um, one thing I will say, and I want to give Rob Marshall credit for, um, the practical effects in this film are amazing. Um, this could have been a lot of CGI. Uh, and... So much so that, for example, when Lin-Manuel is bringing Emily down, that's real. She's on a 60-foot crane. Mm. Like, they've just removed the wire behind her on the uh, in that shot, by the way, is the actual bridge from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. um, on top of that, though, do you guys remember the um, the talking umbrella? Yeah. That's practical. They Isn't had a really? person off-set animat- animatronically moving that. Like, it was, I mean, like, this... That's cool. They, they, they didn't bring like CGI yeah. to kind of spruce it up a little bit. No, there's I mean, they, no I mean, I'm CGI sure. whatsoever. Oh no, no, there's CGI in the movie. I don't know. I, no, I was that... told by him. I'll send you the clip that it was practical. Now I don't know if they cleaned it up. Uh, I... Then one other thing I'll mention: the best scene in the movie, which is in partially in the trailers. It, I think the song is called "Cover of the Book." Uh, the name of it? Yeah, I think so. It's the hand-drawn animation sequence. Oh yeah, yeah. That scene's amazing. That scene, I would recommend people see it just for that scene. Um, but now I'm going to pass off to Jake because I think Jake and I are on the same plane. Yeah, I mean, like you touched on a lot of things that I feel. I mean, like, I'm trust me, I love Emily Blunt in it. I think she's unforgettable in a very forgettable movie. Uh, great, I, great I, way I, to say it. You know, I, I'm with Kevin in that I couldn't tell you a single uh, one of the songs from the movie. None of them stuck with me. And honestly, one of the things that disappointed me most, and I absolutely adore this man, I did not think Lin-Manuel Miranda was that great. And I don't fact, think so either. There's a moment where I thought, you know, everyone for decades has knocked Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent. Mm. And there was a part of me that thought, is Lin-Manuel Miranda also doing a bad accent to pay tribute to Dick Van Dyke? Mm-hmm. Or can he just mm-hmm. not really do that accent? I couldn't honestly could not tell you which one was which. 
And it just seemed so gl- like Ben Winshaw, who I love, just just it was just so glum, and it just yeah, it just the whole movie. I mean, honestly, the only song that moved me was the final one because it moved me out of my chair and finally out of the theater. That was the only one that really <laughs> wow, got me going. Heartless bastards! <laughs> I cannot, <laughs> I cannot believe. But but Jake makes a great point though. It's like it was like when someone was down, it was like. <sighs> This is the yeah. worst. Like, oh, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're you're happy, kids. But don't you forget that we're losing our house. <laughs> yeah, and then okay, let's get happy again and start singing and flying. I'm not. Like, it, it just really, it, it never. There was a tone. There was never a tone that it never found itself. It was always one extreme or the other. I mean, you never found yourself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, See, well, Jake, you give it? it? What's your rating on Mary Poppins? I would give it a six out of ten. So yeah, so a three out of three. Okay. Cool. I gave it a four and a half out of five. Now, now we can reverse this for Aquaman, right? Because now I'm now I'm on uh, Sean's. Now I'm on the. Well, uh, let's the do Aquaman's. yeah. This weekend movies. Let's run through quickly. Uh, in addition to Mary Poppins Returns, this is a huge week uh, for new releases. It I keep forgetting like, every movie that's actually yeah, coming out. On. It's and crazy. It's not even just okay. So Mary Poppins Returns, Aquaman, Bumblebee, Second Act, and Welcome to Marwin, uh, which I think is the front runner for Best Picture now. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really it's great. Ooh. And uh, but that's in addition to. The things that have come out already with Spider-Verse being out there, all of the Oscar contenders, movies like The Favorite, uh, Green Book, things that are going wider. So there are so many things that people can go to see. A couple of movies open on Christmas Day. Vice opens on Christmas Day. Vice opens. uh, Holmes and Watson. You know, like these movies are just getting completely overlooked. So out of all those ones of of Poppins, Aquaman, Bumblebee, Second Act, and Marwin, uh, what would you guys send people to if they were saying, I'm going to go see one movie? I say Bumblebee. I, I really liked Bumblebee. Wait, I liked get, it a wait, lot. Are, are we including Vice and Beale Street wait, here? Or yeah, just, wait, yeah. Wait, no, they're are, not open are, yet. Or just yeah. the five on they're Friday. They're technically so not yeah. open. Give, give me the five on Friday one more time. Poppins, Aquaman, Bumblebee, Second Act, and Welcome to Marwin. I would just go see Spider-Man again. You yeah, can't do that. That's a, that's a cop-out answer. <laughs> okay. I mean, I didn't love Don't any of those guy. movies. But, you, but if you have to, that's the whole point. You have to pick one. I'm sending everybody to Mary Poppins. That's my choice. I, I, I guess. I guess Bumblebee. Yes, he's with me. Suck it, Sean. It's I not guess. a game. It's not a contest. <laughs> well, it's, it's not a contest because you lost. Kevin wants to talk about why he didn't like Aquaman specifically because spo- it's it's out now. But you can talk about yeah. it openly. I am. Uh, I'm not going spoiler, so don't turn this off. I'm. I, I just. I, I feel so alone on this. This is how I felt when Avatar came out. I'll never forget it because when Avatar came out, the reviews for the film were outstanding. Um, and I was like this weird one-off where I felt like, uh, now again, I didn't know you guys at the time. So I'm just talking about general reviews. The movie's consensus. I think the Rotten Tomatoes score was like in the eighties or something like that. Um, uh, While I, you're doing this, I'm going to look up Aquaman's Rotten Tomatoes because I'm pretty sure it's come down from where it was. Okay. Yeah, I think it's come down. But I, I listen, I love James Wan. I want to preface <laughs> this by saying I love him. I, what, what's it, what's it at, Sean? 67. Okay, um, that's probably pretty much. It's uh, probably a little high. Um, so the <laughs> the um, I love James Wan. Conjuring, Saw. He made my my favorite Fast and Furious movie, Furious Seven, next to Five. Um, very excited about this movie. I think Momoa is born to play the role, just like Emily Blunt. He's amazing as Aquaman. He's mm-hmm. great. He embodies the role. Like there's a there's a selfie scene that just made me laugh. I love that. That's, there's some, that there's some scenes. Um, Overall, I found this film to be very problematic. I think the script is horrible. Um, to a point where they just overly explain very confusing plot details that I don't think were necessary. The movie is long. Some of the CG is bad. 
Um, I mean, I, uh, to give it credit in a theatrical release viewing, the IMAX shots are awesome. Uh, if you do see it, I would see it in IMAX cause it's big. Um, the it's epic. It's epic. Uh, and I will, I, I will say this, the person who deserves credit for, in my opinion, the most credit is the person who made all of the hair underwater <laughs> CGI. We're talking everybody's hair is CGI underwater. That was awesome. Like, I mean, I don't know how they did it cause it looked really good. Um, I just, and then not to bring up Pitbull again, but there was just some very, <laughs> there were some very bad soundtrack cues and some very bad, like, like every time the villain comes in, we get the dun, dun, dun. Like it was like, it was like a reminder every five seconds about this guy's bad. Don't forget he's bad. And then, I, and then there's, I don't know. I just, I, listen, I'm a, I'm a DCEU guy. Um, I will defend Man of Steel. Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition, Wonder Woman, and I'll even defend Justice League. I like ah. Justice League. But that's fine. I don't care. That's fine. Um, I don't think Justice League is is great, but I like Justice League. Um, but Aquaman, to me, was problematic beyond belief. And I saw it twice. I so it's at the it bottom of the DCU for you. I Okay, if I were to rank them, I'll do this real fast. Man of Steel's number... Man of Steel is top... Like Jay, I agree with Jake. Top ten superhero films of all time, maybe top five for me actually. Um, and Sean's favorite scene in that movie, the Kevin Costner tornado moment, oh. just brings me to tears every time. And Sean hates that scene. You don't like Man of Steel that much. I um, like Man of Steel fine, but I, it, it's to me for reasons that I express in the text chain, it it, it betrays who's. And I, I find we have this argument a lot of times um, when a film totally overlooks a, a significant character trait of the hero. I check out immediately. So Jonathan Kent telling his son to not help people Loved is it. such a betrayal of no, who the character is. No. See, I disagree. The whole such purpose of that scene was betrayal. people weren't ready to know that Superman existed. He knew that if he went to save him in that scene, it would have brought attention to the fact that Superman was on this planet. That scene is so emotionally layered that I I don't I, I don't understand how you could say that it because doesn't make any sense I, I would argue that it needs one additional line of dialogue of Martha Kent saying Jonathan you can't tell him that like that's he can believe <sighs> that but that's not that's not who the character is at all, all right, he should never I'm, believe that he can't help people ever if I'm ra- if I'm ranking this I go Man of Steel number one no question Ooh. then I go Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition then I go Wonder Woman then I go Justice League. Ugh. Then Aquaman, then I, Suicide I, Squad. I, I may quit this podcast. But I mean, uh, uh, b- before we move on, real fast, can you guys rank your DCEUs? I want to hear it real fast. Because you guys liked Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, Wonder- and, I, 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 and I didn't hate Aquaman. I just didn't like it. Wonder Woman, BVS Ultimate, Aquaman, Man of Steel, Justice Wait, League, Suicide Squad. Did you just say Man of Steel was worse than Aquaman? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Jake, please. I I, I need your help on this, man. Jake, Jake, I know it's fun to like, like you know, make we joke around, but help me out here, man. Please help me out here. I don't know. I'm kind of ticked to you both right now with this whole, all this Aquaman hate, all this Aqua hate. I, can't, I don't hate Aquaman. Uh, I just so don't like I, uh, I would do Man of Steel, uh, BBS Ugh. Ultimate Edition, Wonder Ugh. Woman, uh, yes! Aquaman, Aquaman, Justice League, Justice Suicide League, Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah. Okay. And, and I respect that list. And I and listen. I respect your opinions on Aquaman. And neither neither of you guys are saying it's the best movie ever made. No, I, I just, liked it. I li- like. I would give it a seven out of ten. It's, it's just fun. good enough so I that I would give it. Like, it's super cheesy, but yeah. it's an Aquaman. I mean, movie, here's for the deal. God's every sake. time I tell someone I like it, I always go, 
but and then yeah, I yeah. throw in some things just so just so they know that when they see it, these weren't things I gave passes to. The script the, the script has some really truly horrible moments. <laughs> Amber Heard's acting abilities or lack thereof does not help the movie at all. Um, it's true. But Her I, I had so bad. a lo- I had a lot of fun, and I thought that there were some shots in there that you could, and it's a cliche, but take all take the frame and hang it above your fireplace. I just thought there were some truly beautiful shots in there. Yes, no, the, I will say this, and the last thing I'll say, we'll move on. Aquaman has one of the best shots of 2018 when they're no when they're question. going down the water. The trench. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. In the, it's in the trailer. That shot is unbelievable. And James Wan, that, I, and Jake just said, I would get that framed on my wall in two yeah. seconds. It, and it's fully CGI. It looks great, but it's very, very cool. That shot is amazing. But the you, movie, didn't love it, but I do like the DCU. So I'm you not guys, in general, theater. just give Snyder more of a pass than I do. I love Snyder. I mean, uh, dude, Watchmen is a, is a, I talked with Patrick Wilson at the Aquaman Junket about how much I love Watchmen. Watchmen is a I top think five a great movie. movie for me. I think Watchmen but, but, is fantastic. But Sean, and I, and I won't blow your spot up, but in our text chain, you did say some pretty harsh things about, like, uh, as Snyder, you don't love Snyder as a filmmaker, from right. what I gathered from your I text. I call him a hack. You can say it. I call him a hack. Okay, he could well, be listening, guys. Yeah. You wanna go? <laughs> I, lo- I love Zack Snyder. Um, yeah. 300. Uh, I thought his Dawn of the Dead remake was brilliant. Um, but Jake is right on. Watchmen and Man of Steel are two of the best superhero films ever made. And, and Justice League that, is not his fault. And that filmmaker... Yeah, exactly. Justice League's opening wasn't even directed by him, right? It's his fault. No, it's kind of his fault. Justice League is Warner Brothers' fault. That stink is on him, though, too. Oh, stop it, Gabe. This Do you is not like 300 or, or um, Dawn of the Dead? Uh, uh, like, like Watchmen or the, Man of Steel? or The first 20 minutes of Dawn of the Dead are fantastic. Then it I, really... People are going to hate me for this. I prefer his Dawn of the Dead over Romero's. Oh, Lord. Oh, I do. Lord. And I love George Romero and I love Night of the Living Dead. But I, I would rather watch Snyder's movie. Well, Come on, you guys, you guys. It's more contemporary. It's, it's, it's easier. It's, well, yeah, it's much more accessible. Yeah. But they for what they were at the time, that's you can't take that away oh, from them. They're hard I to compare. Romero. Yeah. They're hard to compare. All right. Yeah. We have been building towards this moment since the podcast started, essentially. Well, I guess since for, for the year. Uh, our top tens of 2018. Uh, I want to just talk about top tens just for a second before we dive into them. Uh, they're really hard to do. <laughs> And we put a lot of thought, I know even in our text chain, we put a lot of thought about into overall how they look. We probably care too much because they're supposed to be your personal choices, right? Like, yeah. And if it's on your top 10 list, it's a movie that you're supposed to love. Like, it, and But people do include, not us, but people do include lists where they're just like, yeah, but this is, this is such a respected movie that I feel like it has to be on there. Right. And, and it shouldn't be on there. This is your no. personal top 10. There's right. nothing wrong about it. I mean, I was, I, think I was telling you guys, was it yesterday or the day before? I was concerned that my top 10 was a little too commercial. I felt, yeah. I looked at my top 10 and I thought, am I going to get flack because I didn't include a lot of movies that people say you should include on your top 10. But this year, as the awards contenders kept rolling out, I don't know. I felt this way. I was always like, oh, is this going to be the one? Is this going to be one? And then we'd watch it, and I'd be like, oh, it's not the one. That's right. not it. And so I'm with you. My my list ends up being more commercial uh, than normal just because a lot of the quote-unquote uh, awards pedigreed films yeah. let me down. So. And also I'd like to say that – if a movie isn't on our top ten list, it doesn't mean we didn't like it. It doesn't yeah. mean we didn't love it. I mean, there yeah. are movies that I mean, I was Sean. I was saying before you you signed on today. I mean, I still reserve the right to change my number ten spot. I've got about four movies that that I keep sliding in and out of my ten spot Same. because I I just can't decide because okay. I I love so many of these movies. So but, you know, 
that's where we are right now. And I don't yeah. know if you're prepared to do this. I hope you are. But we yeah. want to talk. I want to start off with. So what we're going to do is just to let people know, uh, we're all going to give our six through ten with uh, with minimal conversation. But then yeah. we're going to dedicate most of our time to five uh, five through one. We're each yeah. individually going to go five through one. But I, I, before I we, thought Gabe said he wants to do an hour on each one. On each one. So like, Ten, we right. do an hour on it. It's fair. Nine. You know, that... as much as I joke about quitting, one day Gabe's just going to walk out of here. <laughs> and we are going to be screwed. Hey, people on social have said they would listen to this. I think one guy actually said he wanted this one to be three hours. And so <laughs> I take that as a vote of confidence. Yes, it was. It was my mom. Yeah, <laughs> it was mom. Um, can you guys talk about ones that didn't make your top ten? Like That were like right on the cusp. Like 11. Yes. Uh, yeah, my 11 that really, really hurt me because I've seen the movie multiple times and love it every time I see it, is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, I loved that movie. Um, I loved each of the six stories for completely different reasons. I thought a lot of the direction was great. I found myself listening to that that song from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs a couple of times. So um, good. It just really... It, it, there's even a moment today where I swapped it out and put it in and then turned around and took it out. I, it, and I'm sure it's going to haunt me at night. Oh, that's um, so great. That's but great. Uh, yeah, that's that, that one hurt me. Kevin, what's your uh, 11? What's the one that's not going to well, make it? There are four. Okay. Um, that four I am like genuinely uh, uh, sad that I couldn't fit in. Go ahead. Um, and I'll, I'll list them. I won't go into detail. But these are the four that have like been lingering around my ten spot. Um, <laughs> because it, I always tell people the, the eight, nine, and ten spots are the yeah, hardest. Hard. Those yep. are the, like one through seven's easy. It's eight, nine, and ten that you've got yep. like eight so movies true. that you want to try to squeeze yeah. in there. Yep, the, so the 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 main eleven one, which I which I've switched back and forth, is Beale Street. Oh, um, so I, good, and I love Beale Street, and I just wanted in there so bad, but but then I couldn't get. It's interesting to me because this list is favorite. Yeah, so we, exactly. have, to, we have to make sure exactly. we understand that because <laughs> like there are movies on this list that I don't think are as good as Beale Street, but that I liked more. If that makes sense, I think Beale Street. Is, That's interesting. I think. I think Beale Street is a better movie than some of the films on my list, but my favorite list are films that I thought were my favorite movies of the year that were re- that are rewatchable and and just you know it's kind of hard to explain. Same yeah. thing we do with the best and favorite. So Beale Street was that lingering eleven. The other three were Mission Impossible Fallout, um, mm-hmm. I, which I rewatched the other day. I still can't get over the plot and and the villain, but the stunts are amazing. Um, and that the filmmaking in that film is brilliant. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Mission Impossible Fallout, like Jake said, not in my top ten, but I like them. I like the film. Yeah, McQuarrie's um, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but I like Road Nation and Ghost Protocol and Three more than I like Fallout. Um, and then the last two, mid nineties and Eighth Grade. Um, two films, Eighth Grade blew me away. I mean, Sean was so right about that. I didn't watch it till later in the game. Um, the, I mean, it's funny, I was thinking about Sean when I watched it, is the scene where he was talking about the tension that she has when she walks to the pool. Oh. Um, I, but see, to me, the best scene in that film, without spoiling anything, is, the, is her and her father in front of a mm. fire. Yep. Um, which yep. is just, just, oh, devastatingly heartbreaking, but mm. beautifully well-written. Um, that girl is so and good, and I want her in the best amazing. actress conversation. I think she'll get in there. But I, I, think I wish uh, the, the actor that played her father were in the supporting actor conversation. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. So those are my, those are the four that lingered that I actually, there were points where mid-90s was at number 10. There was a point where Beale Street was number 10. There was a point where uh, Fallout never t- cracked top 10, but it was like lingering there. Um, so that's right. you know, what you're my, lingering. My 11, my number 11, the one that keeps Millie Bobby Brown drifting into uh, <laughs> the list and falling right back out of it is Ready Player One. 
Oh, my God. Ready Player One is not in my top Sean, ten. Sean, Gabe, Gabe, do me a favor. It's not since there. we're recording this, yes. go back to the show <laughs> yeah. after Sean saw Ready Player One. Yeah. And I want you to intercut the audio into mm. this podcast of what Sean said about Ready Player One on that date. Because I love this it. blows my mind. You love loved it. that film. I love it. It's great. Okay. I'm, I'm I know, dude, away dude, by this. Listen, this is not easy. This is not fun sometimes. But see, but, there's, there's a point of being right and wrong. You're just wrong on, okay. on that one. That's fair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fair. Uh, I have Beale Street also. Um, I have Upgrade. Upgrade was so good. Oh, I loved Upgrade. I love Upgrade. Oh, that was a great I, Tom Hardy performance. I have Bad Times at the El Royale. <laughs> and I have Hereditary. Those those are in my hovering wow. and didn't Hereditary make it. Hereditary didn't make your top Hereditary 10. Hereditary did not make it. I'm no, shocked by that. I'll explain why in a bit. So Okay, so Gabe says... Uh, those are my 11 and 12s. Start listing 10 through 6. Uh, Jake, you get to go first. Uh, my number. So we're just going to read them and then move on. Because we'll read them and later. You, you give a little quick commentary yeah. if something is out of the ordinary yeah. or surprising. Uh, my number 10 is Sorry to Bother You. Uh, I love oh. the weirdness. I embrace the weirdness. The, the weirdness oh, has stuck with me. That movie is really weird. Yeah. I caught up with it on your recommendation and you said, and I remember Kevin said he didn't really care for it. I'm probably yeah. right between you two guys. I admire what it did, but holy cow, that movie got really, yeah. really you, you strange. Mean, you mean holy horse. Not I, holy yeah. horse. Well done. That yeah. movie. Uh, my number nine yeah. is Bad Times at the El Royale. Yes. My top ten. Uh, yes. My number eight is Ready Player One. Okay. My number Ooh. seven is A Quiet Place. Okay. And my number six is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh, a late edition. I love late a late, editions. A late, late edition. Which Can also I, makes it hard to try to figure out where you're going to fit it in. Because these right. other films have had, a, had had time to stick with you and either get better or get worse over time. And yeah. so Spider-Man, I kind of had to just plug in based on... You know how I feel about it at this moment, and then later on in the you know in the coming months, it could either drop or climb. And it so it knocked Buster Scruggs out. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I was about to ask. Is that, yeah. is that the movie that knocked it out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. All right, Kevin, you get to go next. Ten through six. This is my ten through six. Yes. All right. <sighs> Number Gabe, ten. Are you keeping track of these or what? Gabe is going to keep track of these. Gabe like, has he's laying back and he's like online shopping. All right. Here we go. My number ten through six. <laughs> number ten. Fifty Shades Free. <laughs> Number nine, Only Gotti. <laughs> Number eight, The Meg. Number th- seven, Robin Hood. It's oh, a good one. Hey, <laughs> and then no, no, all right, I'm kidding. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Ten to six. six the <clears throat> Pitbull scene from Aquaman. <laughs> Pitbull scene from. Aquaman. All right. Number ten, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Good, nice. Crack my top ten. Um. It just blew me away. I didn't okay. expect it to be amazing, uh, I, but I loved it. Uh, number nine, Black Klansman. Mm. Uh, I think Spike Lee, this is probably my favorite Spike Lee movie since Do the Right Thing. Uh, I love Black Klansman. I've watched it t- two and a half times now. Brilliant filmmaking. Love John David Washington. Hope he gets nominated. And I'm also loving that Adam Driver's getting into the into the into the conversation. He right is. Now. Yeah. But, That's the movie you... that's surprising me the most that during the Oscar conversation, it felt like it was not gonna catch on, and now it's yep. everywhere. Every group is sort of recognizing it. When I saw Black Klansman, what struck me was Driver's arc. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the movie, you guys have all seen it, Adam mm-hmm. Driver's character at first in the beginning, it's just a job. But as it gets personal for him with the what he's going through, it becomes personal. It's like yeah. I thought that was awesome to watch. Right. Um, he's the seven, K in Black K Klansman. Actually, people don't know that. 
but Adam that's Driver? the twist. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, because he is Kylo. He I, plays I, the that, K. That makes sense. He plays the K. All right, <laughs> sorry, Jake. All right, number seven. No, are you on number eight? Uh, oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Number eight, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh wow! Wow, which, which I've seen interesting four times now. Wow. Um, I am not at all problematic to saying that the film has problems, but I love that movie. I just think it's such a great cl- crowd pleaser. And anybody out there who's going to say, Kevin, the movie's factually incorrect. Not every movie you see is a documentary. And yes, they move around things, but to me, it was a celebration of Queen. I thought the cinematography was unbelievable. I mean, the shot, my top, if we, if we did a top five shot list of the year, my, one of my favorite shots of the year is the shot from Wembley down to the stage as they right. start b- playing Bohemian. Amazing. I need to and revisit it. I need to watch it So again. good. But does that count as a shot, though, if it's CGI? It's still a shot. It's still a camera shot. It's just stitched together. Because the shot still oh, gets to the stage. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. also, what about, what about that cool shot that goes underneath his piano and it up to Brian yeah. May playing yeah. guitar? All right. All right. Number seven, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ryan Coogler loved it. Um, specifically because Michael B. Jordan. I think he deserves okay. an Oscar nomination. Okay. And then number six, Jake's number one of the year, Deadpool 2. <laughs> Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my turn. All right. 10 through six. 10, Black Panther. Uh, nine, Quiet Place. Eight, Paddington 2. Ooh, yeah. And you've been on that one for a while. Love that movie. Seven, oh, slow down. I'm writing these down. Oh, sorry. Ten is Black Panther. Uh, nine is Quiet Place. Eight is Paddington 2. Oh, Gabe's writing them down. Seven is Eighth Grade. Ooh. And wow, six. Six. This was my late edition. This is something I caught on screeners and was blown away by how good it was. Six for me is Widows. Widows is one of those movies where every scene is fantastic. Whether it's the way that it's a camera angle or whether it's a, a performance or a line, but like he doesn't waste a single shot. And then you're reminded of like, oh, right. Steve McQueen's a genius. Like I totally forgot. He's incredible. Even though this is just a crime thriller. Uh, it's when someone takes a normal genre like that. And Tarantino often does it when they take a great genre and then they just do it at the best level. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. You're an amazing filmmaker. And that's that, yeah. that movie blew me. I away. mean, one so of my favorite six and you can tell we're nerdy that we have favorite edits of the year. One of my favorite edits is that first cut when they're kissing in bed and all of a sudden it cuts to the robbery. It's yeah. I, ju- I must have jumped 10 feet in from my from my seat whenever uh, whenever I, I still haven't seen it. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. For real? Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, really I good. missed I missed every junket uh, screening for it. And then by the time it, it, it came out, I was traveling. Uh, I have it at home on the screener so i'm gonna watch it i want to see it in theaters though it's I can find so the time. good dude the cast is amazing i love steve mcqueen love yeah. shame love 12 years of slave he's an amazing filmmaker all right so that's where we're at 10 through 6 and now we're going to dive into our top five and we're going to be able to talk at length and some of these will be repeats there'll be uh, movies that we sort of discussed but we're going to really explain why we uh chose the films that we chose and jake you get to keep going first uh, with number five uh my number five is mission impossible fallout Mm. I, I mean, I, we're right. talking about like you know one of the most jazzed I've been walking out of a theater this year. A, a movie that I found myself grabbing people by the collar and saying, "You've got to see it." In terms of pure spectacle, in terms of pure like this is why we go to the freaking movies. In terms yeah. of why Tom Cruise exists on this earth. I <laughs> mean, think about he literally risks his life to entertain us 
for us to be able to go sit in a dark room for two hours and have a good time. Yep. That's, I mean, that's just astounding. I mean, that, that movie exhausts me. I've seen it multiple times, shown it to multiple people. And I still, it, it's not one like a movie that I put on for someone and then walk away and come back and see. Like I find myself sitting down and watching it and then seeing, watching their reaction to see what they think of certain things. Uh, I, I just absolutely, I think it's one of the best action films I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I think it's the best film of a series. It's only getting better. And uh, I, it you think it's really, the best film in the series? Yeah. Oh God, without question. Without question. Oh, wow. So, interesting. I, That's interesting. Without, wow. Without question, the best film wow. in the series. And See, in fact, it's the only Mission Impossible that's ever made one of my top ten lists. I will say, oh, I will say this. Um, I rewatched Fall the other day. Like that to me, like the filmmaking in that film is top ten, like ten out of ten. Unbelievable direction. Um, and to me, Fallout is a bunch of great scenes that I could just fast forward to. So, for example, I love the opening Wolf Blitzer moment. But the Phenomenal. thing is, but like the movie moves so well that you don't need to fast forward it because as soon as one amazing scene's over, as soon as he's done landing from the uh from the, yeah. the halo jump, it's time for the bathroom fight. As soon yeah, as the bathroom I mean, fight's over, scenes. then he's having the conversation that leads into the uh sort of that 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 uh where they they break the guy out of the uh, armed car. It like, also and, and it then, reverses the trend of mission movies where they usually peak in the middle. And then yes. the ending is a little bit and not anticlimactic. Yeah, but oh the my ending, god, that. that that's yeah, how I felt Fallout. about this movie. I think the ending of Fallout is is one of the worst action oh, scenes. Oh no way, in the dude! Movie. The helicopter oh, chase. On. I don't like Come the helicopter on. chase, man. Oh, dude, it's great. I don't like that scene. It's I, so I, exciting. I think it's fine. I mean, but it, but it's nowhere near the level of filmmaking that was used for the Halo jump or the motorcycle chase or the opening uh, sequence with the uh, with um. Well, you're faulting uh, one movie that has like five amazing sequences and one not, that's like a nine point five. I know it's not a nine point five. I don't like that ending. I don't, I don't like that entire section. Kevin, you and oh, Sean man. should sit down and discuss what it feels like to be wrong about movies. <laughs> we do often. <laughs> I love. I listen. I like Fallout. I just every I, week on this podcast. It's, it's nowhere. It's nowhere near Rogue Nation or Protocol or Three. In my interesting. Opinion. All right. Well, that's Jakey's five. But Come on. but I respect it's it. Five. Yes, of course. He's wrong, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Kevin's number five. I didn't know that. I didn't know this episode was to attack each other's top ten. I wanted to give my claws out because I got some thoughts about your six through tens. But Jake, seriously, I I, I respect it, but I, I just is it really the you, best? You can't one? trash a pick and then go, but I respect it. I'm not trashing it. it. I like Fallout. He I just don't it. think it's the best one. The best one, Dude. Sean. Where are you at on this? Are you think it's the best one? No, I don't think it's the best one. I, I to me the run from four, five, and six are there's no franchise that's really come close to touching that level yeah. of quality. I even three, 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 four, five, three. And six. If you yeah. just took two out of the mix, one through six would be incredible. Like two is just deeply like flawed. Two. It's flawed. I'd like to insert an opinion about something. Black Panther is just okay. Oh God, why? I like Black Panther a lot. Don't it's do very that. Good. It's my number ten. It's, I know it is. It's just okay. It's gonna win Best uh, Picture. No, also, the movie is better than okay. It just oh, has pro- it has some problems. It's a me, tremendous movie. A movie that has problems a, should not be on your top ten for list. Tertiary uh, Mission Impossible Fallout has problems. Is your number five? All right, Ooh, <laughs> we this podcast. Kevin, your number five. Kevin's right, number five. Now, number five. The Happy Time Murders. Okay, here we go. Number five. <laughs> He um, actually has a, an alternate list. <laughs> Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, interesting. That's significantly further down than I thought it would be. Yeah, because and by the way, a couple weeks ago, Infinity War was number two. Okay. Um. So I've actually been doing a lot of rewatching, rethinking about things. Um. I think Infinity. Well, Infinity War is I mean, it's number five on my list. It's a brilliant film. Um. If the only thing I'll say about it is higher than this movie. I will quit 
this podcast. What'd you say? If First Man is higher than Infinity War, <laughs> it is. I, will, I guarantee I will you, it is. Quit this podcast. <laughs> God, um, there's no wrong answer in a top 10. There's no wrong answer. Oh, no. Let's reveal our wrong answers. God, I, just to, I just had to spend a half an hour hearing about how I gave a wrong answer. All right, Infinity War. Kevin's going to talk Infinity War. Oh, it's just amazing. I mean, I've said it on the show a million times. They, got, they made a two-hour and 40-minute film feel like it was 45 minutes. Juggled dozens of characters flawlessly. That uh, movie move, moves. It, think about how fast that movie moves and how much they juggle, how much they get done. Thor's entrance into Wakanda is top moments ever in a movie. It was, I mean, first of all, I, saw, I mean, luckily I had a lucky experience. Where I saw it at the premiere where nobody had seen it yet. And that, I mean, that scene was just, and I've seen it again since. So my, my, my viewing of the movie wasn't just that. Have you guys still seen, loved... seen that scene recut with Immigrant Song? No. no. It's a lot. It's on oh. YouTube. Someone took it and recut it with Immigrant Song, like from Thor Ragnarok. It's all oh, Ragnarok. No, dude, you know what I did watch, though? And I was happy to watch it for 15 full minutes. Somebody cut together a reaction shot of pirated reactions of Infinity War playing around the world. Um, all different markets, and they're all watching the Thor shot. It's just a montage of them, like, one after the other. Cool. Every time he arrives. Yeah, I'll find it. Every time he arrives, no matter what, like, every audience is just like, Whoa! They're all going crazy because it's... it's- it's yeah, incredible. It's, it's Thor's best moment ever. Oh. Uh, ever. It's so good. Um, yeah. But Infinity War is just brilliant. And okay. I think I think Josh Brolin, along with Michael B. Jordan, like those are such layered villains to me. And I think Brolin, Brolin's character makes a point that is understandable. I mean, obviously you can't <laughs> do what he does, obviously. But my point being is that you understand where he's coming from. Sure. Uh, and I found that to be fascinating. Uh, especially considering he's fully CGI with performance capture, but the facial, the facial uh, uh, on that, like when he cries, like everything about that performance is unbelievable to me. So Infinity where, War number five. Where I come from, the tears are washed away, <laughs> but but here we feel them. Yes, <laughs> that would be yes. that'd be funnier as you people see Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, my number five. <laughs> Is uh, the documentary Three Identical Strangers? Yeah, uh, oh. I am. Uh, I just as, watched that. I just watched it. As people who listen to the podcast understand, um, Kevin often goes very technical. Um, I am a storytelling junkie. Like I, I won't pay attention to the hows things are made all the time. I get blown away by by how things are made for movies like Ready Player One and 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 Upgrade and things like that but when a story hooks me I just get, I drop everything and pay attention to how it's put together and and if it goes in a direction I can't really figure out and Three Identical Strangers is a story that just floored me. Um I don't want to talk too much about what it is because there are some great twists in it. Uh the hook is a guy goes to college one year in an upstate New York college and He's a freshman and he can't understand why everybody on the campus knows him. They recognize him. They, they are surprised he's come back. And it turns out that someone says to him, if you don't, do you have an identical twin? And he's like, no, I don't have any siblings. And like, well, then there's a guy who looks exactly like you. And they race to go find that guy. And it turns out that these are siblings. They're twins who were separated at birth. And then, then they're triplets. There's just three of them. Like they, these guys end up on the front page of a newspaper. Holy cow! Separated birth. Look at these two. They're ident- and they're identical. Like when you see them together, they're, they're literally identical. And then um, a third guy, it's someone in his family, is like, "Look at these guys on the newspaper. They look exactly like you." And then you realize that they were triplets and they were separated. And that alone would be an incredible story of like what happened to these guys and how they get separated. 
But that is the tip of the iceberg about where this story goes. And it just floored me. And so uh, I I can't, I will from here on out and people, I know even people who are like a eh, documentary, I don't know, but it is such an amazing story. And the guys telling the story are so charismatic. They're great, like stereotypical New Yorkers. Yeah. Uh, and they just hold your interest. And um, I loved it. I loved everything about the written English. I love that pick. That's a really good pick. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, I, yeah. I think, I, and, I, and your explanation, and I, and I, that's why I love this show so much, because we all come from different walks of life. As you can tell earlier in the podcast, when Sean explained what happened to him when he watched Mary Poppins, yeah. you know, he's a parent. So we, that's what you, you get the different perspectives. Here, raised so. by a magical nanny. So as you could hear when Kevin's thoughts on fallout that he was raised to be wrong. Yeah. Or you can hear Jake's thoughts on Aquaman. When you can... <laughs> what is Jake's number four? Jake. My four. number four is vice. Uh, mm. Loved, loved, wow. loved that wow. movie from start to finish. A movie that's only wow. gotten better in my eyes. Loved it. Some of my favorite performances uh, of, in the, of the past few years. Uh, I thought it was the one of the most brilliant screenplays that I've seen brought to life in front of my eyes where a guy pretty much says, screw what Hollywood says a movie has to be. I'm going to just tell the movie what I want to tell. And it's also, he tells a story in such a way, and it points out one of the, one of the lessons of Vice is that the reason that, that someone like Dick Cheney was able to do the things he was able to do is because we as a society didn't care. We were able, we were more concerned about the new Fast and Furious movie or more concerned about, you know, what was happening on, you know, the Kardashians or whatever, that someone who was just this low-key guy was able to literally change the course of history. And so he recognizes that, that that is an issue and says, well, then let me tell this story in such a way that almost, I, I pictured his storytelling technique was like that device from Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. that holds up his eyeballs that makes you go, look at this freaking story and understand why it's important and understand yeah. why it affects you. And he said, in, in, in Adam McKay's eyes, he thinks the only way I can do that is by telling this story in such a way that is unlike any story that's ever been told before. And it just truly blew me. And I don't want to even ruin some of the, the ways he does this. And, and it, you sort of got a hint of it in how he did the big short. Christian Bell's performance, to me, he just totally disappears. Um, I think Amy Adams absolutely astounding. Even supporting work from Steve Carell and uh, Sam Rockwell. Even Tyler Perry is fantastic in it. Um, I, I love this movie from start to finish. I loved it from the opening five minutes. Loved it all the way through. And uh, it's only really gotten better. As And I get really excited when I talk to people about it. So yeah, Vice nice. is my number four. Awesome. I, Great. I respect, I respect that pick. Yeah. Kevin, number four. My number four. Uh, oh. Midnight Sun. With uh, Bella Thorne and Patrick. <laughs> did Schwartz you like there. genuinely make a like? <laughs> he did. He made an alternate list. <laughs> Is I, that the name of that movie? Did you guys jump at that movie? I, I actually saw that movie. I, did, I had to see that movie for work. <laughs> Pretty bad. All right, number four, Roma. Uh, by the way, this movie. Is, <laughs> uh, I'm oh, tell you why you're wrong. Oh, a new uh, yeah, edition of a, We're Right, You're Wrong. <laughs> that's okay. I love it. That. Um, Roma, uh, this movie is getting better and better every time I watch it. Uh, I'm, I'm two viewings in now going for a third tomorrow. Uh, the film on the second viewing, I remember sitting next to Sean on my first viewing and I could tell the way Sean was reacting to certain scenes that he was getting a deeper understanding and appreciation for a moment. Um, and when I sat down for the second time to watch it, I felt exactly what Sean felt. Um, there is filmmaking in this movie, and to me, this is why this movie is so brilliant. There is so much restraint here as a director, where he's doing things that no one's going to pick up on the first time, that require a second 
and third viewing 100%. to fully realize what he's doing. 100%. And the beauty of that is, if you're a filmmaker, most people are probably going to see your movie one time. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. So th- to have restraint to do something like that and then reward a viewer for a second or third viewing, it's pretty crazy. And like, and I, and I think the, the beauty of what, Alfonso does here. Every shot, first of all, is perfect. Um, the Alexa 65 millimeter, just the frame of it is, it's just stunning. I, I, I was just studying the frame. I, the other day I was watching it for the second viewing. My entire eyesight was watching a pair of socks with water dripping from it. Like it was, it, and, and it blew me away. I don't know why. I know it sounds crazy. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but it was so interesting to me. Um, and, and, and Jake can roll his eyes. That's just, but there. <laughs> No, I know it sounds... Everyone that describes to me why they like this movie sounds so pretentious. I know. We no, also make we make a lot of jokes about uh, the dog crap in the driveway, right? <laughs> and how yeah. Alfonso makes. But but listen to me, Jake. It's I'm going to say intense. this. One of the driving narratives, and I won't give too much away for people who haven't seen Roma. Oh, can I? My, Roma is my number four, also. Perfect. My perfect. number four. All also. right. Good. Um, so we'll battle. We'll talk. We'll, yeah. we'll transition. Um, one of the driving narratives of that movie is men leaving and why they leave. Yes. Right. Men who've left these two women, the, the key main women in the story, um, who are blindsided by the fact that the men have left them. The, every time we see the dog crap not picked up in the driveway is a, is a further reminder of why that guy left the life that he's living. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird to say that, like, it's significant that, but every time Jake, you said it, every time they came back to the driveway and there was more dog crap in the there. driveway, you were like, just pick up the dog crap. And that's exactly what that guy felt. That's why he's yeah. pursuing a, a, another life somewhere I can, away from his family. I can relate to the men that wanted to leave because I also just want to leave yes, this conversation. That's, that's inherent. It's part of the movie. Yeah. It's a takeaway from the movie. You there's, almost have to feel that. There are scenes where they're pulling cars <laughs> into a driveway and it's intense. I mean, I'm talking about like, I don't know. But the scene when uh, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a scene where a car is pulling in a driveway where it's like scraping against the walls, and it's like I was just like on the edge of my seat. I know Dude, Kevin, I'm going to blow your mind with this. Every there's like three different times a car pulls into the same driveway, yeah. and each time the car pulls in, it means something different. It it means <gasps> something significantly different to the, the point story. where it builds yeah. to a huge punchline where a tinier car pulls in, and you laugh because it's you've watched all the other moments, and these are things that would never be dramatic. Right. By another filmmaker, um, and uh, one couple point, couple more points about Roma. Um, on the second viewing, the things I picked up on, I there's a a movie theater sequence uh, which I won't go into detail, but a movie theater kind of plays a character in the film where two characters go there, they don't watch a movie, and then they go back to that theater at some point, and something is revealed, mm. and just that little detail. I mean, it, like little things like that. Um, the sound. And the film is just astounding. I mean, like if you if you can see it in theaters, see it in an Atmos theater if you can. It is on Netflix. I did watch it on Netflix the second time. It was still great. Um, and I just think that what he did with this movie. Last thing I'll say, he shot this movie from what I understand, and Sean can back me up primarily chronologically. Yeah. Um, and to a point where he didn't give a script to any of the actors. And on your second viewing, when you watch it, knowing that, um, you start to get a sense of the real moments he captured um, that it's almost it's and there's a sequence where Jake and Sean and I all agree. There's two scenes in that film that are probably two of the most powerful scenes of the year. One of them, which Mm. happens, uh, you know, uh, maybe like, I guess, you know, about 20, 30 minutes before the end of the film 
uh, was done in, on the first take, and the character did not know what was going to happen in this scene. It's hard. The to other actors did, and her reaction. The shot is like five minutes. We won't go into detail what it is. That's her genuine reaction to the story point. She was not told anything else besides something simple. And it, if you watch that scene, Sean, <laughs> I know I just feel bad for Jake because Jake does not like this movie. Oh my god! And, and it's I'm, and it's tough to it's because it is it's one of those movies where where we I think we had this conversation before the show even started. Like if you had to send somebody to Roma or Aquaman, Roma. The, but the the answer no, is the average person on the street you would yes. not send to Roma. Yes, I, I would. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't send anyone to see uh, Aquaman. if someone said Sean, to me, if if people Sean, who I legitimately like. Came around to me, my, if my next door neighbors came around and said, I tried to watch Roma on Netflix. What the heck is this? This is the most boring thing in the world. I would understand. I, I think that the, just a See, mainstream cultural I audience is not going to dial into that. I just I don't I, think it's fair because I, I think that what that says to me is that you're saying that they're like Jake used the word pretentious, that there is a certain level of person uh, with film knowledge that would need to watch it and well, oh, th- like that to yeah, me that's but it's not like fair. Food, thought, there there are certain restaurants that, that are, are amazing restaurants that I still wouldn't take certain people to based on what they like. There are certain because they just want to eat pizza that, and but fast just want to go to McDonald's and there's yeah. nothing but Rome, and that's but, but but Rome is a good movie. It, it, it's, it's nothing to do with pretentiousness. It's it a is. Great good film. is an opinion though. Good is good is subjective. Good is opinion. I agree, but but I, but I think by saying you would send someone to Aquaman over Roma. You're belittling people in the sense of no. I think I think you. I think, I think you it, I, know people. I, I don't think it's belittling them. I know my. I, okay, for example, my grandma loves Tyler Perry movies. Okay, I don't. I do not like Tyler Perry movies. I think Roma <laughs> is better than every Tyler Perry movie that's ever been made put together. But if my grandma comes to me and says, should I go see this Tyler Perry movie or Roma? I say, grandma, go see the Tyler Perry movie because it's what I know she's going to like. It, my, it's not, it's not a, I'm not belittling my grandma and it's not a knock to Roma. You have to know people. My dad and mom. No, no, no. We are film critics. Who talk to a TV audience? You I understand, know that. Who you're, but but you know here's who you're but to. I'm putting I, whenever I put my opinion out there, I say, look, this is this is what it is, and in the same way that I talk to people about Roma, I I tell people, look, still go see it. I didn't personally like it. Everyone else seems to, dude. Honestly, you know how difficult my life has been in the in the in the movie review world for not liking Roma. My life would be significantly easier. <laughs> If I did, if I could just go along with it everyone else be, and say... It would be, for me, if the favorite were dominating. Like, the favorite's popular, <laughs> yeah. but it'd be like if it right. were the front-runner kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. My, my point, though, is I don't want... I don't like the fact that it... And again, maybe I'm reading into this. That Roma is being put into a category where, like, artsy, art house type of uh, moviegoers, in my is, opinion... Dude. I don't think so. I think Roma's a universal story I agree that just that. happens to be black and white with subtitles. And yes, it is an... It's an I guess it's an artsy movie because it's shot specially, but I, I just don't like the fact that... Like, the fact that you would say, go see Aquaman over Roma... Just, just be- certain... Depends on... But depends on the person. Depends on see, you, I would say no. But the average person on the street, yes, I would. But if okay, you're on television yeah. reviewing a movie, what is the better film? It's a simple question. What is like we we, we discussed this last week? What is the better week. movie? Better made movie? Roma no, is a better is the, made movie. But if someone says to you, "What do I need to see? Aquaman or Roma?" You're I, saying Aquaman. I sent him to he Aquaman. said it depends. He okay, said well, it I, depends. I, no, yeah, it depends on the person. I'll say it depends, depends on, on the person. person. All right, all right. 
Roma number you, four. Sorry, I, I just find that for Kevin and I. Roma right. number four. I, right. Michelle has not seen Roma yet, and I'm not sure she's gonna like it. To be honest with you, I'm not sure she's gonna like it. But like, like for example, like Spider Man. <laughs> yes, that's a great movie that you can send everyone to. Sure, right. of course, right? Hundred percent. So it's is, a great movie overall. So is, so is Jake's pick for number three. I'm My sure. mom and dad, by the way, aren't necessarily black and white subtitle film uh, fans. They watched Roma over the weekend. Absolutely loved it. Jake, is Vice a Tyler Perry movie? Sure. Uh, my number three is Roma. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Aquaman. How amazing would that have been if that was actually his three? Like the whole time, or no, like the whole bit was Jake's actually been joking, and his number one is Roma. Like that, that would be like the we best. We haven't gotten there yet. The whole time. Uh, my What's number three? three is First Man. Oh God, no! Here we go. <laughs> God, uh, the tables are turning on Sean. We are, Jake, we are best friends yes. again, man. Stop. Uh, you, you, mean, did, you, just, you just, you just washed yourself uh, clean of all, the, 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 all that. Pure, a bunch of boys. <laughs> one of the most pure examples of just true filmmaking. <sighs> I mean, talk about a guy that was born to be a director. Damien Chazelle is just unbelievable. Uh, taking such completely different stories, and 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 here's what I'll say. It's not a movie Good. about, and, and maybe, maybe in a certain way, we're talking about similar things with how we talk with with people on the street about Roma versus how we talk with them uh, about First Man. Because I've been finding myself with a lot of people that have come up to me and said, "Well, you know, I I, I went to go see a movie about the moon landing, and you know, it was wasn't even about the moon landing. He barely gets to the moon at the end." To which I go, "It's not a movie about the moon landing. It's a movie about a guy." who wants to go to the moon because he's so interested in it, but he doesn't like what comes with going to the moon. So it's, it's about a guy who uh, struggles not with, with what it means to go to the moon, but with what it means to stay here on Earth. And, I mean, just it's such a brilliant, well-made, well-acted, well-constructed, well-scored character study of, I think, a guy who, as a society, we're taught the basic ABCs of, but when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, we have absolutely no idea who he was. And I think even after this movie, what fascinated me is that I felt like I had no idea who he was. And arguably, his kids and his wife had no idea who he was. Um, and to me, those are the most fascinating. And yeah, maybe Ryan Gosling never got to have like his Oscar moment, which is why he's not getting all the awards consideration. But I thought it was just an absolutely brilliant performance. I'm with... I, Jake, I'm 100% with you. I, I And... Uh, now we're back to being friends again. I'm excited about this. Sean, Sean, step aside, my friend, because Jake and I are riding that first man train. That's my number three as well. Yes! Uh, it's a brilliant film. Um, but it, it's, I mean, I saw it, what, I see it four times. Uh, it is, oh, oh. first of all, what Damien does with that film is he gives you the experience of the astronaut. And I can't say that about any other movie. Um, in regards to... Being in that cockpit, the way Linus Sangren shoots those sequences, super 16 millimeter, we're in there, we're shaking. I mean, there's an entire launch scene that is literally in a cockpit that does not move for a couple minutes. And we are fully immersed in what Ryan Gosling's character is going through in that sequence. Um, the score is the best score of the year. No question. I agree Justin Hurwitz's score is perfect. Um, the IMAX sequence on the moon, no green screen, Fully practical, or not fully practical. I mean, obviously they, they take wires out, but you're, you're talking about a filmmaker who did no green screen and a space film, who had projections of, of, of space and, and air, whatever it was, behind these props, and that, these miniatures that they built, 
that alone, on top of the immersion of the story and the emotional depth that his character goes through, everyone's complaining that he doesn't say much or he doesn't emote much. See, to me, the internal struggle of his character is why it's great. Why does he need to speak? Remember that scene in Pulp Fiction when they're sitting across from each other and she's like, you know, you know you found someone special when you can just shut the blank up for 10 minutes? I mean, like, we, we always feel like dialogue has to express how we feel. That's why sometimes it's better through song. But Gosling has a breakdown earlier in the film when his daughter dies where it is just, that's all I needed to connect to him. Uh, and then I was with him the whole time. The documentary-style filmmaking of that movie is just incredible. Um, and Claire Foy, I hope she gets nominated. Oh. Jacob, I, I think she is unbelievable. Mm. Hands down with Jacob Matt. Number three. I will be I disappointed take, if she doesn't get uh, uh, an Oscar nomination. I take back oh. everything I said to you about your Roma thoughts and your Mission Impossible oh. thoughts. Thanks, we are buddy. back on the Thanks, same buddy. page. And I love you more than anything. Sean? Rank, rank Damien's movies. Here's what I'll tell you. The fact it's that right, Damien's movies. Can, can I talk? Can I talk? Yeah, actually, <laughs> I'll, I talk? I'll, I'll rank them. Here's what I'll say. I'll say uh, Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man. And what does it say that his worst movie is still my third favorite film of the year? Whiplash and mm. La La Land were my number ones in each of their respective years. And his third film, which by definition would be his worst, I would say, I guess, is the number three. Makes to me Damien Chazelle one of the most exciting directors working today. First man's better than La La Land and Whiplash. Mm. Oh! Yep. I would go Whiplash, La La Land, Aquaman, Venom. The name seen from Solo. The name name seen from Solo. Venom. (laughs) And and then I I don't even know if I put First Man on the list. Uh, Anyway, number three for me uh, is not First Man. Uh, It is A Star is Born. Uh, Bradley Cooper's remake of uh, the pull up by your bootstraps and rise to the musical industry uh, it is, to, I, I hope, the film that wins Best Picture. I'm, I, it's the horse that I'm going to back, you know. I, I think it, it does so many things well. Um, I, I would not be surprised if he wins Best Director, which is incredible to me because he's a first-timer. Uh, I understand there are a lot of factors that count against him. But I think that he has he showed such incredible control as a first time director, and usually that's just stuff that a director learns along the way. You know, they burn off three or four movies before they really figure out how to tell their story. But he seemed to have such an incredible grasp uh, over this material. The casting of Gaga was such a. I mean, it looks easy now, you know, but in the moment, it's incredible. And and people talk about the scene where she sings Shallow for the first time, or where he starts playing their song. Well, even before that, when she's got the frozen peas in her hand and she sings in the parking lot, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before that I was like, you can sing anything. You're incredible. What a talent. But then what I have to remind myself about the fact that, like, so she goes out on this stage to sing with him because he's flown her to this concert, and she has to, in that moment, play somebody who's never walked out onto a stage before, who doesn't have the confidence to be in front of a crowd that massive. And this is a woman who has played every major stage you can imagine, has been the halftime show at a Super Bowl, which I think is probably the apex for any performer. And she convincingly sells me that she doesn't believe that she belongs there. (laughs) And then she's nervous to go out there. That that scene alone wins her best actress for me. Dude, you just... Nailed it. Everyone keeps asking me why Gaga is so good in the movie. I never thought about that. That's a, yeah. That is a great summation. That's such a great point. 
Oh my god, such a great point. That's a perfect, yeah, exactly why yeah, that performance is good. Yeah. Everyone says, "Oh, like she's just playing her," but in no. actually, she's playing the complete she's not. opposite of her. Yeah. Yeah. She's not. She's yeah. actually the most famous singer. That would not that would be like Sean playing someone that wasn't handsome. Right. Right. Yeah. I, how would I convince myself to do that to make you guys believe it? But not it's easy such, to do. It, it's such a great point because. First of all, Lady Gaga is the exact opposite of her character. Um, she said this in, in, in to us at the BFCA reception and, and, and in interviews. She, her character in real in her real life, Gaga, was somebody who went after this. She was always trying to get on yep. stage and perform. This is the exact opposite. And I think it belittles her performance to say that she's just playing herself. Yeah. And you just nailed it. Like, by saying the fact that she's able to make us believe she's actually nervous... Yeah. That's purely acting. Purely acting. Yeah. And in a moment like you brought up a lot of times, they bum rushed those concerts and had to yeah. essentially get their footage in the moment during a live show. So in addition, Sporting Cast is amazing. Sam Elliott's amazing. Freaking Dice is amazing. Like everybody in it's Big really Chappelle. good. Chappelle is great. Um, when we talked about Mary Poppins and you guys talked about the music, Star is Born is the movie this year that if we're hanging out around our house and Michelle and I are just listening to music. We do this thing where, like, one of us takes over um, the phone and just rifles through songs. And and if I put anything from Star is Born on, like, we're instantly just transported right back to the movie. Like, that's such a magical gift when the music is so perfect to the material. Uh, the music is amazing in Star is Born. Um, and uh, I love the final shot. I love it. We, we've gushed about it. But that's the movie where I sat in the theater and was like, I can't move right away. Like, I have to really process what I watched and it it floored me. So it made number three. Uh, when I get to my two, you'll you'll understand that they're odd choices, but they're very personal to me. And so I will save those for for next. Jake, two, uh, two is essentially going to tell you what my one is. Um, and and this was tough. And, and throughout the year, they've swapped back and forth. And it's going to be one of those situations where, like, depending on the day, you could swap them. I'm sure. Uh, and and you know also also. In, in the same way, in 10 years, I could potentially look back and go, well, okay, yeah, one should have been two and two should have been one. But, the, the, I mean, we're arguing schematics because – don't don't give me that, Gabe. I see it in your eyes. I see you. I see you. <laughs> wow. Uh, so my two is Avengers Infinity War. Ooh. Yes. Uh, just, I mean, for, for so many reasons that we've discussed on the show. I mean, the, this, the movie has been out for, for quite some time, so we've touched on it many times on the show. But, I mean, we're talking about a movie that, that by definition, should not exist. Uh, should not not only should it not exist, it should not work as well as it does. Um, I mean, we're talking about the 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 the, the bringing together of ten years worth of storylines and characters, emotions, backstories, baggage, and to Kevin's point, one of the most beautifully edited films. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, in all of my nominations that I've been putting out for all the different critics groups I'm a part of, I put the Rousseau brothers uh, in my mm-hmm. my directors. Um, just because what they pulled off is is just a, a, it's such a massive achievement of filmmaking. Even you know it it it, it it's so dismissive to to put it in aside in the superhero genre. Um, it's just such a beautiful piece of of, of work. Um, and, you know, obviously the ending's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, each each actor in their own respective superhero role, I think, maybe gives the best of their performance in that particular film. Um, it's just it's just uh, unbelievable, and uh, really it, it really makes me glad to be alive in the filmmaking era that we're in. Do you know yeah. what was incredible about Infinity War? Real quickly, is that um, it it protected all of its secrets. 
Like the first time watching it, um, there were so many moments where I truly had no clue what was going to happen. Right. To the point where when Thor buries the axe in Thanos' chest, I thought, uh, they did it. Oh my God, they did yeah. it. And like, then my that was thought great. was, wait, what's four going to be about then? Yeah, yeah. Or or the, the scene where they almost get the gauntlet off his hand. When Spider-Man's like, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. And then Star-Lord messes it up, right? Like those are scenes that, that emotionally wrecked me. <laughs> wrecked me. I was so caught up in the story. The Russos are brilliant. Oh, yeah. I mean, Russo's have directed my three favorite MCU films. No yeah. question. Infinity War, Civil War, Winter Soldier. I mean, those guys are geniuses. Like, All right. Yeah. So oh, sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Kevin, two. Two. Oh, my number two. Uh, well, Star is Born. Um, I right. love Star. Yeah. I love A Star is Born. Uh, just, you know, everything you said about it and then the revelation you made about Gaga's performance. Um, I think Bradley Cooper delivers the best performance out of any actor this year. I think he's better than Bale. Um, I do. I think I think that when I watch Bradley Cooper in Stars Born, I don't ever see him. Ever. Uh, it is a complete transformation. That film opens up perfectly uh, and immediately sets you into his world. He starts rocking out of that show with Black Eyes. That song Black Eyes, which is... I, I love that song. I just love that It's a great song. way to start the, the yeah. movie. Yeah. It's the opening song on the soundtrack too, right? Um, and it's so. just... Everything about that film from that point forward, um, it just floored me emotionally. It, it, it. I didn't know where it was going at one point, and it hit me so hard that I cried in the theater for thirty minutes after it was over. I could not move. It was that impactful on me. Um, the songs are amazing. Gaga is amazing. Cooper's amazing. Elliot's amazing. Uh, everything about this film, I loved, and I think that Bradley Cooper, for a first feature film, not even. Not even using that as an excuse. Wow! Like what a what a film. Um, and yeah. it just it just floored me. I loved every aspect about it, and the songs. Oh, and that moment in the stage. That's the first time I cried in the film. Was when she walked out for the first time, and you start hearing those notes. Um, but even even that whole build up, that peas scene, or, or the, the the shopping sequence. I mean. It's all so well done and so well orchestrated and so well shot. Um, and I remember hearing Cooper explain that he wanted to shoot it like you were on the stage. I think he was at a Metallica concert and he was behind Lars Ulrich's drum set watching Metallica from the stage. And he wanted to give the audience that perspective. Um, it's interesting because the guy who shot uh, Starsborn also shot Venom. And they were open that same weekend. Uh, and I think like one was one, one was two, but it was like weird. It was like strange to see that, but, yeah. uh, it, it's a brilliant film. Number two is Star is Born. No question. Jake, Number did that not make your top 10? Star is Born didn't make your top 10? We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, Conti- oh continue. no way. No way is Star is Born. Number one for Jake, is it? Number one? Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll get there. <laughs> that means first man didn't. Oh, first man did make your top 10. Okay. Never mind. I'm trying to keep things straight. Um, my number two is, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And if anybody follows this podcast, they know that I'm a, a diehard Spider-Man fan. Um, so when you tell me that that there's a movie that that nails every aspect of the character who you adore, um, it's incredible. Uh, the animation is fantastic. The Stanley scene Perfect. wrecked me. Perfect. It wrecked me, and and I actually am getting a tingle right now because in in a time when we just lost Stan and so many people were trying to um, vocalize what he meant to us. 
here comes this animated movie that had this scene in its back pocket, <laughs> which is such a beautiful tribute to him. Um, and it comes at a time, and I, I can't, I don't want to talk about it because a lot of people who might not have seen Spider-Verse yet, it is a perfect send off for Stan, right? It's just a beautiful, like how much of an impact he's had on the people who read Spider-Man comics, who have to be told, um, your contributions matter, right? Like what you do matters. And that's the Miles Morales story. It's the Peter Parker story. So then, and we talked about the leap of faith, the leap of faith signifies so much what it is to be Spider-Man. Like if you read Spider-Man comics over the years, there are so many times where he just doesn't want to do it. He's just like, it's too hard. This is too hard. Like so many of these amazing superheroes are always like, I was born to do this. You know, like I'm the most heroic, powerful person in the room. And Spider-Man is always like, I just want to go to school. I just want to date that cute girl. Like, can't I, can I not, do I, do I have to do this right now? And the mask is always calling to him. And what Peter says to Miles, he's like, you'll never know when you're ready. It's just a complete leap of faith every single time. And then Miles designs his own costume because he's been wearing that bum Spider-Man one that he bought off the shelf. And he, he assumes the identity, he turns it into himself and he takes that leap. And the animation is amazing, but it's just, it's the message. It's the story. It's it's the greatest Spider-Man story told right now because it's, I love that they did Miles. It refreshed it because it's been a lot of Peter Parker, but it didn't ignore Peter Parker. It gave him his own bit. It reached out to some really crazy places to show the different things you can do with Spider-Man. Uh, and it had Lord Miller's humor. It's it's everything that I wanted from Lord Miller. I, I know I, I told people that, yeah, that, that moment that you're talking about is on YouTube. But don't if you haven't seen it, don't go see. Like you've got to, you've got to experience the that. No, the uh, the, oh, leap the leap of faith. Of faith. Leap like of faith. Yeah. experience that in a movie theater. It's cool to oh, now yeah. that we've seen it, go back and rewatch it a thousand times because it's amazing. But don't yeah. seek it out if you haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah, so that's right. your number two, Sean. Number two. Yeah, I'm surprised that's not number one. It rocketed up to number two the minute I saw it. I was just uh, I was uh, floored by it and enamored with it. And I have not back. I, I haven't been back to see it. Yet, but I am dying to go see it a second time. So. We gotta let people know Sean is a legitimate Spider-Man fan, so I mean, it is. You, you know, you're getting an actual, genuine reaction from him in regards to someone who actually likes the character from comic book uh, aspects. My so, favorite character. Um, yep, yeah. that's my two. Okay, number one time. Woo! So exciting, Jakey. Your best movie of twenty eight. Your favorite movie of favorite 2018. movie of twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, Gabe. Are we bringing this? Are we doing this now? Gabe had an idea. No? After? Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Your choice. Uh, my favorite film of 2018 is A Star is Born. Nice. Uh, just everything was that we... Was always your favorite? Was that always Great choice. It was, it was always between A Star is Born and Infinity War. Wow, interesting. It was okay. between, and like I said, they're two completely different films. Love them for two completely different reasons. The thing is, A Star is Born, it just gets better every time I've seen it. I think I've seen yeah. it four times at this point. Um, and just every time I see it, it hits harder. Uh, you know, it's like... Uh, it's it's like you know like if someone like punches you in the stomach and like you're down on the ground and then like and then someone kicks you and like it just, it just keeps like it just keeps getting like just harder and harder and harder to get back up emotionally from this film. I mean everything about it that should land does, um, and it just lands perfectly well. Um, every choice, even like issues that I thought I had with it at first, upon reflection, make me realize that they were purposeful choices of mm-hmm. Cooper's. Where I go. You're right. You actually, you know, he he was right about that, and 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 my issues were what probably any other director would have done, but he chose not to. Um, and he has that perspective of an actor to be able to bring into it. Uh, I mean, just 
I, it's, it's the hardest movie. You know, it's funny. I feel like, you know, uh, our parents' generation, they talk a lot about, uh, you know, terms of endearment or beaches or, you know, movies yeah. that like at the time just were hard. And I feel like, like this is, this is our generation's. And, and yes, it is the fourth time it's been made. So to a certain degree, it is familiar. But I'd argue that any movie that introduces a familiar story to a new audience, I mean, yes, there are three others, but 95% of, of millennials out there, I'd argue, had never seen The Barber Streisand. Right. Which is right. not nearly as good as people remember it being. The right. Judy Garland one, okay, yes, you want to like, but the, the, if anything, the best part is that maybe this movie drove people to go back and find those mm. other ones. And I feel like this movie just it hit me harder than any movie and stuck with me longer than any movie. And, you know, we've talked about that each of us bring our own baggage into a movie theater when we see a movie. Sure. Uh, and not to get too much into it, obviously, I had a lot of stuff going on this year. And, and what I brought into that movie, uh, it just, it you know, it was almost as if, like, Bradley Cooper, like, sort of whispered off set and goes, wait, what happened to Jake? He goes, oh, I'm going to mess with him now. <laughs> and then, like, made this movie just for me. And, uh, and man, and, man, it got me. But, uh, well, yeah. It, what it, kills it, me is that he's a first-time director. And, yeah. and only because I'll say this, I caught up with mid-90s this week, and it's 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 fun. I get it. It's great. Yeah. But that's that's a first-time director effort, right, right? Right, Jonah Hill will get better, and you right. can see what Jonah Hill borrowed from people. But mm-hmm. mid-90s is not Star is Born. No. Like, how is Bradley Cooper yeah. that good that quickly? Yeah. And, and, and you can't say it's because he it works with great directors, because Jonah Hill's worked with great directors. Jo- exactly, yeah. Exactly. And Cooper's the lead of the movie. Yes. directing yeah. it. Yes. So and not just the lead of the movie, gives the best performance of his career. Yes. And he's playing guitar and he's singing. I mean, come on. It's like yeah. And you know what? And it's not I don't think if anyone said to Bradley Cooper 10 years ago, when you get your first chance to direct, it's going to be a remake of A Star Is Born. Like a lot of times these guys find a project, you know, a script that is everything to them, right? Yeah, right. And but like something in that material connected with Bradley Cooper to the yeah. point where it is so emotional and so it's yeah, it's great. It's and I mean, their their relationship is what makes it. I mean, you're talking about chemistry that is beyond belief. Yeah. When you watch them in the film together, and like Sean was saying, we were saying earlier, they're going out in front of real crowds for certain scenes, and like they they have five minutes to shoot a concert sequence <laughs> and <laughs> nail it. Yep. I mean, and then the irony, you, you, I, I kind of believe in things are meant to be and fate and things like that. One of the one of the sets that they did was before a Chris Christopherson set. Wow. Chris Christopherson was on stage right after him doing yeah. a real concert. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, Kevin, your number one pick of 2018. Yeah, I mean, my number one, I mean, this is a film that I think just is brilliant on every level of filmmaking, and I think that um, Venom just really did it for me this year. I, I was so very good. impressed with it. You don't get I, to make fun of Venom. You <laughs> liked Venom. I actually like Venom. All right, no, no, no. Um, my number one is Ready Player One. Uh, it's been to my number one since, what, April? March. Yeah. Uh, it You've been is on that bandwagon. F- huh? You've been on that bandwagon for, from it, the time you saw it. It's my. It's It's a film that made me so happy, and it just made me... It reminded me of what I felt like kind of when I saw Terminator 2 for the first time. Um, and that film changed my life. Uh, and it actually has a T2 reference in it, which is probably another reason why I was like so excited about that callback. Um, but, you know, to, to me, the film, while it's heavily influenced by references and nostalgia, to me, that never plays into being the lead of the film. I think the lead of the film is the story, the love story, but also the message of we all want to live in this fake digital world that is not real. Um, and 
There were choices made in the filmmaking of this movie that I thought were so incredibly brilliant that are inside baseball things that to me speak to what, like you, you have a cinematographer who's telling you story points through a camera with that, uh, and that you have to, that, that you pick up on subconsciously or consciously, um, you know, shooting 35 millimeter in the real world and getting that grain, that, 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 that swimming grain of imperfection of our real lives and then that pristine digital glass-like clear beautiful oasis which is not real uh and then that juxtaposition from the the digital to the to the to the uh, grainy film was just i mean i mean it's so poetic uh and it's also a movie that doesn't really deserve to be that poetic i mean it's a film about going into a virtual reality world um but you have spielberg at the helm then you have performance capture for all the characters that are the avatars I mean, you're just talking about filmmaking that is worlds beyond anything I could ever have imagined as someone who loved the book and the film, in my opinion, improved on the book. Um, I thought it was a great, I thought it was a better version of the book. Um, and I think you put Spielberg there, Ty Sheridan's amazing, Ben Mendelsohn's amazing. Uh, I thought that everybody in that film just, it, I've seen it seven or eight times. I rewatched it the other day. There are two scenes in that film that, as I de- sit down and watch it for the eighth time, I am still like a little kid. Like that first racing sequence, when they turn the score off and it's just the sounds of the cars and the coins being taken into the DeLorean and then the backwards reversal shot of that with King Kong uh, and then the shining scene. The shining scene, oh, the shining that's scene's so great. That's where you solidify it's it. So I mean, that is just, yep. I mean, it, you come on. I mean, think about that scene for a no, second. It's, it's so great. Um, but yeah, I could go on and on, but it's my favorite movie of the year by far. Um, it's not even a question that that was ever going to leave number one. Um, not, not that I was going to keep it there. If something had come out and beat it, of course I would have given it that. But um, I mean, listen, Ready Player One is not going to have any awards chances. It's not going to be Best Picture. Um, that will pop, I mean, if I had a choice, I'd give it to Stars Born. But Ready Player One, no question, favorite movie of the year. I mean, okay. it's a, it's, and Sylvester's score callbacks to back to the future zemeckis cube i mean we're talking about oh chucky <laughs> chucky i mean come chucky, on there's so many maybe the best uh, f-bomb this year yeah yes it's such a great f-bomb yeah do you know All that right. chucky was going to be um a t-rex yes i thought it was gonna be a what... velociraptor Oh, Velociraptor. That's right, not a T-Rex, a Velociraptor. Oh, we know that from our episode. Yeah. That's from our episode with yeah. Zack Snyder. No, not Zack Zach Penn. Zach Penn. Have you You're ever all been on place. this podcast I before? will never have Zack Snyder. Sorry, I, I was I was dozing off. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for my number one. Are you ready? number one is Gotti. Avengers Infinity War. It's Avengers Infinity War, and for most of the reasons that, that Jake pointed out brilliantly when he uh, broke it down, this movie shouldn't exist. It's a movie that should, should not, under any circumstances, uh, exist. And we live in a world where somehow a studio was able to build 19 films uh, together <laughs> into standalone stories that also had a cohesive thread. But even at that, the movie is so brilliantly paced. Everybody gets their moment. Yep. Nobody gets shortchanged. Nope. None of the moments are forced. They're all in service of the story. The villain is a... How many times have we watched blockbusters where the villain is like a caricature who has... There's no stakes and you never doubt for a second that the heroes are going to 
overcome yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great point. Yo, you you were scared they were gonna die. Yeah. Like I was like, they're not getting out of this. No, right? There's no way they're. You fans. feel the weight of Thanos yeah, yeah. in every scene, yeah. and it looks amazing. The CGI is so the motion capture and CGI is so amazing that no film after this can get away with cheap motion capture CGI. No. Like if you just point at Thanos and be like, it has to be that good yeah. or get out of here, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or don't, don't bother. Um, that's weta baby. And it's a tremendous cliffhanger. That's also a satisfying conclusion. Like the way yeah. that, um, the, the way the co-writers s- describe it where they're like, okay, fine. It's a cliffhanger, but also it just happens to be the chapter in this long saga where the villain wins. This this time the villain wins. The villain doesn't always have to lose, you know? This just happens to be where... And so I can't wait to see where Endgame goes. Um, oh. But everyone's character moment... This is Marvel has, and it's not a Marvel DC thing, but it is a Marvel DC thing. Marvel has such a grasp of who their characters are and what they do um, that all of the moments in the movie, the first one that gets me is... Cap coming out of the shadows and the Avengers theme plays behind him yeah. uh, yeah. in the fight where Vision and, Wa- and Wanda are getting their rear ends handed to them. And then Cap emerges from the shadows and you're just like, game over. This game has changed. And then, of course, Thor arriving in Wakanda is probably the highlight of, of my entire year. <laughs> and uh, But then, like, then mixing, you get Bucky with Rocket, which is incredible. Yeah. And you get Cap and Groot. <laughs> Cap and Groot is incredible. And these are all payoffs to things that have been years in the making. They've been building to all of this. And it's just, it's, oh, it shouldn't. How that movie works, I have no idea. I don't get it. Magic trick. Yeah. It it really really makes me worried that there's just no possible way the end game can be as (laughs) good. All right. I know. The only reason why I believe that it will be is just because I think it's the Russos. I think the Russos care that much. See, you made Um, a great you made a great point, Sean about it being a satisfying ending and also a cliffhanger, I completely agree with you because, yeah, the villain wins. That's the end of this story. Yeah. And then, and then we, will con- we will continue it, but that's the- this film is one beginning and end. That's the story of this particular film, yes. Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That, it, it, the Infinity War was won by Thanos. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, a, that's what it all comes now, wherever down to. we go from there is next, yeah. so... Those are our uh, those are our lists. We uh, we talked at, at length about movies that we love, but I know that that's why you guys tuned in. You guys also this week played along with the blend game. Uh, we turned it around to you guys. Audience picks for 2018 favorite movies uh, using hashtag 2018 blend. Chris Folk, who loves to play along each week, uh, he picked the Joaquin Phoenix movie. You were never really here. I saw um, it. Yeah, which I saw it also, and that movie is morose yeah chris get outside (laughs) get in the sunshine because holy cow that's a dark movie uh the film assist blog says the other side of the wind which is the orson wells lost orson wells movie i have not seen that yet so i have to catch up with that uh ben's for lsu says a quiet place chris mccleary uh said the ballad of buster scruggs wait quiet place was not on your list sean uh yes it was number nine Oh, okay, okay. Was on Jake's list? Mm-hmm. Quiet Place. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Nine. Um, and that's why Hereditary did not make my top ten. Because mm. I wanted to pick a horror, and to me, Quiet Place was more entertaining. Hereditary yeah. is disturbing. Michael Kamen's another regular contributor to the blend game, gave us an awesome top ten. Alfred? He had uh, Ready Player One in first place. So Kevin will be very happy about that. I know who else. Someone else had Ready Player One. Uh, oh, and I think that might have been Michael. Kalina... 
who is Real Blend's ride or die. Fanatics says the only correct answer is Infinity War. Lily Tanaka also says Infinity War, hands down. Jordan Snyder, another guy who plays the blend game often, says eighth grade all the way. And Kimberly Sue, um, she says Infinity War is both her favorite and the best film of the year. And so I want to just take a moment, and I know you guys are going to want to chime in on this one too. The blend game is such an amazing way for all of us to just interact with people who listen to this show on the regular. And the last few sequel blend, uh, 2018 blend, it's been so amazing to hear from people. Like we make this joke all the time that we would do this show if it was the three of us, you know, doing it for Gabe, right? To every once in a while, get a joke out of Gabe. And uh, it, it means the world to us that you guys listen to us and play along and and interact the way that you do. I know that the guys appreciate it, and um, and I appreciate it so much. And it's just, it's fantastic that this thing is built to what it's become. No, and we, we love everyone who listens every week. Uh, and selfishly, the reason why I like doing this show is because I get to talk to Jake and Sean and Gabe about movies for an hour, an hour and a half. To me, that's that's why I do it. And then the fact that people listen, that's just extra. And I, I would like to remind people that this was always just meant to be a temporary podcast for last year's award season, it was it was started yep. as like, hey, let you guys want to do it for a couple of weeks and sort of trace through the Oscars, and then it was going to be done. Um, and then all of a sudden, we discovered, hey, we like it. And yes, all three of us have insanely busy schedules that more often than not conflict and don't always align with each other. But yeah. we make an effort to, um, to 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 make this work because we like doing it. Well, and when we started doing awards blend, we were like, realistically, because we're so super busy, like maybe we can do like once a month, you know, like we'll yeah. just sort of, we'll pick a time when it works and we'll do like one. And then once we started doing it, it was like, oh, once a, once a week, yeah. maybe we'll do once a week. And then think about it, guys, this past year we went to London yeah. and we met people who actually listened to us. Yeah. And, and then hysterically, those people got together again yeah. <laughs> without well, us yeah, and hung out. So uh, I, I'd i like to, we're hopefully going to do something again like that in 2019, maybe more than once. Again, it depends on our schedule. In Chicago, baby. Yeah, maybe in Chicago. Um, I think we're going to run out of time with Kevin. I think he's got to get running. So uh, let me bring this to a close. So next, this is our last one of 2018. We will be back in 2019. I'm going to give you a, a blend. We will remind everybody what it's going to be. Uh, this has been thrown out a couple of times. Uh, we are going to do hashtag... Gosling blend. Ah. So get your choices uh, onto social this media. This makes me happy for a lot of reasons. And we are going to, you can also email us, uh, realblend at cinemablend.com. Of course, on social media, you can follow us at realblend on Twitter. We are at, at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell. Keep the reviews coming to iTunes. Um, even if you're international, we now know how we can read yes. global reviews. Uh, and of course, everybody have an amazing holiday season, a wonderful new year. We again cannot thank you guys enough for following us. By the way, uh, Sean, did yes. you guys hear about who what Jordan Peele's favorite podcast of all time is? No, what is jo- it? Jordan Peele Blend. All right, good night, everyone. Thank yeah, you so much night. for listening. Dunkirk. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.